This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Oh, no, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off even by lighting up. Oi. From my friends, the star of the show. Oi, oi. I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Oi. This oi. is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. 77 WABC. Now to breaking news. A federal judge is denying a request by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's office for a temporary restraining order to stop a House subpoena of a former prosecutor. A district judge said former assistant DA Mark Pomerantz must appear for a deposition and that it is not the role of a federal judge to dictate congressional actions. There is breaking news in the federal criminal investigation into Hunter Biden's tax returns. An attorney for an IRS supervisor sent a letter to lawmakers asking for whistleblower protection, saying his client has information that suggests the investigation is being improperly influenced by, quote, preferential treatment and politics. My client wants to come forward to Congress. He's ready to be questioned about what he knows and what he experienced under the proper legal protections. Washington is time to respond. respond. Enough is enough. New Yorkers deserve better. Mayor Adams gave President Biden and his administration a forceful message on Wednesday as he urged the White House to immediately authorize work permits for asylum seekers. They don't want our free shelter. They don't want free food. They don't want free clothing. They're saying, can we work? Right tonight. Oh, tonight, baby. Newark, New Jersey, 7.30 p.m. I know Joe Nolan is listening very, very intently right now. We're going to drop the puck for a game two 
between the New York Hockey Rangers and the New Jersey Devils. I know you folks expected I would start with the IRS whistleblower or Mayorkas or Donald Trump or Eric Adams. No, 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 no. Game two in New Jersey tonight, the Rangers and the Devils, and I can't wait, especially when you consider how the Rangers just took apart, just took apart New Jersey in a 5-1 to one road win Tuesday night in game one. You know, Lewis is out now, I think, until Tuesday. It turns out that the great Lou Rafino and his lovely fiance MJ, they both have uh, COVID. They've never gotten it before. First time for both of them. They both have it. So Lewis is out. And Lou's the man. I love Lou, and he has been just an amazing addition to this show. Amazing. But sometimes he's just a moron. I mean, I couldn't, for some reason, I couldn't explain to him enough yesterday that the Rangers are the underdog in this series. He just, he couldn't fathom it. He couldn't understand it. I said, listen, Lou, when you go to Vegas or you go to Atlantic City or your bookie Vinny's on the corner, they have a favorite and they have an underdog. It's not an opinion. They make the line. There are favorites and underdogs. And I know it sounds weird because the Rangers are so talented, but the Rangers finished behind New Jersey. The Devils were a second-place team. The Rangers a third-place team. And in the head-to-head matchup this season, the Devils won three out of four. So when you combine those two statistics, of course, New Jersey is the favorite. That doesn't mean the Rangers aren't a great bet. That doesn't mean the Rangers aren't the better hockey team. That doesn't mean the Rangers, excuse me, are not going to win this series. But he just couldn't understand how the Devils were the favorite because, in his opinion, the Rangers are better. And they are. The Devils are a very good young hockey team. Very good. This guy, Jack Hughes, is a tremendous player. They've got five or six really great young players. But the Rangers are loaded. I'm sorry. There is not a team in the NHL that can pretty much boast an all-star on every line. I mean, the kid line is still young, but those guys are all terrific, all three of them. I mean, the Rangers are just loaded. They're loaded. And uh, that was an easy win on Tuesday. Do I expect it'll be easy tonight? No. Don't forget the Knickerbockers. Not the same sport. I get it. But they went to Cleveland. They won game one. And in a desperate situation at home, the Cavaliers blew the Knicks out in game two. By the way, game three of that series is not until tomorrow night. Here at Madison Square Garden, evened up at one game apiece. So the Devils play game two in New Jersey tonight with the same desperation that Cleveland played the Knicks with two nights ago, and again, the home Cavaliers blew the Knicks out. I'm not sure the Devils are good enough to do that tonight, but certainly they're in that position, and we'll see. But I got to tell you, you look at this Ranger team, Panarin, Zabinijad, Kreider, like I said, the kid line, the acquisitions they made, Tarasenko and Kane. And add to that, Shesterkin, the best goaltender on the planet. And I'm not sure anyone can beat this Ranger team. Again, Boston destroyed the Rangers during the regular season. And the Bruins had an epic year, a history year. And they're doing well in these playoffs, even without their best player, Bergeron. 
So they are still the best team in the NHL and deservedly the odds-on favorite to win the Cup. But man for man, talent-wise, the Rangers are as good as, if not better than anybody in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And one of the all-time New York Ranger greats and a dear, dear friend of mine, the great number 10, Ron Duguay, will join us live at 940 this morning in an interview brought to you by my dear friend Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Borders. I had a dream last night that... What are you, Martin Luther King? Yeah. Yeah. That the Rangers won 7-1. to Tonight? Yeah. What did you dream specifically about a game two in a first-round playoff series in New Jersey? That's weird. Uh, yeah, it is. It's not normal. I'll tell no. you that much. Weird but, guy. Um, you know. I keep forgetting you're a Ranger fan, right? Yeah. Not yeah. really, but yeah. Well, I was a big, much bigger fan when I was a kid playing hockey growing up. And yep. then it, what happened? It faded a little bit as I got older, but I've gotten much more back into it the last two seasons. You have? Yeah. You know, what do you say? Are you going to watch every second of the game tonight? Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> Just stop it. Just stop. I'm begging you. Well, I'm glad you're a Ranger fan again. Thanks. You were actually a pretty good player at one point, right? I played four years of varsity hockey in high school. Wow. Yeah. That was in Chappaqua. In Chappaqua. So. Which white people play exactly. hockey? Yeah, they yeah. actually do. They're actually pretty good. No black kids in your school because nobody play, they play hockey. There were some really good travel teams around me, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever score more than 20 goals in a season? No, I was a, I was a more of a uh, an enforcer. I would lead the league in penalty minutes. Oh, like Joseph Takapina. Exactly. To this day, my dear friend, the great Donald Trump defense attorney, Joseph Takapina, owns a uh, NCAA record, and it will never be broken. It's like Cal Ripken's Ironman streak in Major League Baseball. Most penalty minutes in one season, college hockey, Joseph Takapina, will never be broken. Do you know the number? Do you know the number? No, it was was like... um, a million minutes, I think. Yeah, a million minutes. A lot yeah, that's minutes. a lot of minutes. A million minutes. So. <laughs> anyway, uh, we got a big show coming up today. Five terrific guests. We start every Thursday at 740 with the judge, Judge Napolitano. 840 this morning, the man, the great Bill O'Reilly. At 905, my great buddy Bo Deedle, live in studio, as he is every Thursday. 925, Kat Kempf from the Greg Gutfeld Show, one of the stars at Fox News. She has a new book out. She'll join us live at 925. I saw Kat in the green room last week when I was on Jesse Waters' TV show. And then we'll talk to Ron Duguay coming up at 940. So an action-packed show about to come your way the day after I celebrated my 56th birthday. And I have to tell you, I have about uh, 9 million messages Nine million messages from fans of this show, friends, family, and fans. And there's no way in a million years I can get back to everybody. I told you yesterday. No, no. You dug yourself a hole the second you dropped one name. (laughs) I know. And I tried uh, early this morning, literally at 3.30 a.m., to get back to a bunch of folks. And then, of course, like I told you yesterday, I feel badly because... If somebody sees, wow, Sid answered that person but not me, I don't want that person to be angry with me. Because, to be completely honest, everybody's message yesterday, everybody's was every bit as important as anybody else. Just because I answer somebody and not you doesn't mean your message wasn't as important. And I can promise you this, on my father's memory, I can promise you this. I read every 
single message, Instagram, Facebook, you guys sent me. Everyone. And they were lovely. They really were. And it was a great birthday. Now, look, we didn't really celebrate yesterday. It's a Wednesday night, middle of the week. I get up at 3.30 in the morning. Danielle gets up at 4.30 in the morning. Gabriel gets up at 6.30 in the morning. So I really couldn't celebrate in a big way. We had a nice dinner, the three of us, last night at Seymour's, which is a very good seafood restaurant right outside of Brookfield Place down in uh, Battery Park. Then uh, we went home. Then uh, Danielle and I consummated the birthday. What? Hey, now. Hey, now. But um, it was a pretty quiet night, a lot of fun, but quiet. And we'll go big this weekend. I know Friday night we're going to do Peter Luger, a Luger, I should say. And then Danielle made reservations for just the two of us on Saturday night. I don't know where it is. It's a surprise. And then I think Rayo's may be next Thursday, and that'll be the end of the birthday. It'll be an eight-day birthday, uh, Justin. That's a long birthday, man. Is it a long birthday? Yeah? You're going to be 57 by the time it's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I got a lot of messages from people who said, 56, you're still a baby. 56, you're still a baby. You know, Mark Chernoff, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, radio executive ever, the man who ran WFAN for so many years, during the glory years of Don Imus, Mike and the Mad Dog, all those great midday shows, Susan and Jody, Sydney and Jody, Sydney and Beningo, Steve Summers, all those great years, the Mets, the Giants, the Knicks, the Rangers. He was on yesterday. He called in to wish me a happy birthday, and we had a great conversation. And he brought up the fact that I was 56 years old and went on to talk about some of my resiliency. There were a lot of folks out there who would have taken the under. 25, 30 years ago, if you'd have asked a lot of people, including Danielle, would Sid ever see 56, they would have taken the under. This is former WFAN radio executive and all-time radio great Mark Chernoff on this show yesterday talking about Sid at 56. Cut number 15. You know, you're still a babe. You're only 56. you got a lot more years to go. Um, and, you know, I'm proud of how you really recovered from so many of the things, all those demons that you had. I remember we met at a diner once, you, me, and Danielle, yeah. out on Route 4, out yeah. in Hackensack, Hackensack or Paramus. I forget which town that was actually in, but it was out on Route 4. And you really needed help, and you got some, but you weren't willing to go all the way back then. Sure. I know you went to some rehab way up in Sussex County. But if I remember correctly, and it might not be exactly right, you sort of walked out of there like, okay, I'm cured, I'm better. And it's like we said, no, you really weren't there long enough to yeah, be all better. Right. Nope. But but you said, nope, I'm okay. And um, I felt bad all the times that we had to let you go. Um, and and every time I, I did eventually bring you back, but because um, I hated to do it because, uh, you know, you've always been a talented guy. Um, I think everybody has pretty much agreed with that. You know, you were a terrific sports show host. There he is, Mark Chernoff, yesterday on this show. So 56, the Lawrence Taylor birthday is here and gone, although once again we will celebrate one more week, and then we look forward to 57. Donald Trump was out there talking last night, my main man DJT, number 45, and hopefully once again, Number 47, 
he was on his Truth social media platform last night, and he was talking about, well, all kinds of stuff, talking about Alvin Bragg and Joe Biden, the radical left, the Democrat cheaters, all this stuff, Ron DeSantis even, all this stuff that he believes will make his path back to Pennsylvania Avenue relatively easy in 2024. So let's start with this one. This is the Alvin Bragg case here in New York. Again, Joe Tacopino was on with me yesterday. They're not due back in court until December for that case. And Tacopino remains pretty confident he'll get this case dismissed before they have to go back to court in December. Here is Donald Trump on his Truth Social video saying the DA, fat loser, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's charge is really weak. Cut number three. The Democrat Party of Disinformation is working full-time saying that the reason D.A. Bragg's charge is so weak is that it's going to help me get the Republican nomination. I'm the one they want to run against. Oh, they want to run against me so badly. Actually, it's weak because they have nothing but hate. And I'm the last person they want to run against. They said exactly the same thing in 2016 and... How did that work out? It worked out pretty well for you, I would say. So, a lot to cover today. Once again, the IRS whistleblower, big story. I know John Solomon did a very good job with Rita Cosby last night. Solomon was also on Sean Hannity on Fox News last night. We got all the audio you need about that story. Mayorkas, sort of an apology. And once again, DeSantis versus Trump. That's become like Rocky versus Creed. Or maybe even better. More like Ali versus Frazier. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. Trump versus DeSantis. We got it all for you. Once again, five big guests today. Judge Napolitano, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle, Kat Timpf, and Ron Duguay. It's the Thursday edition of New York's favorite talk show. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, right here. Talk Radio 77, WABC. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Put your hair back. You get to leave. Eleven gallows. On your sleeve, shallow figure, winner's fade, eleven shadows, way out of place. Standing 
got a good buddy of mine. His name is Richie Shivman. Married to Jen. I know them from upstate for about 40 years, maybe more. And many years ago, he introduced this song to me, R.E.M., off of the Great Murmur album, Perfect Circle. And I still love it. 628 on your Thursday morning. Weather going to be gorgeous the next couple of days. Sunny today. Highs hovering around 70. Sunny closer to 80 tomorrow. So some beautiful weather about to come your way. I did start today's show with the Rangers. They'll play game two tonight in New Jersey if they're winning game one easily. Game two coming up tonight. My Mets, I know it's uh, kind of early for baseball, but the Mets have started the season 12-7. and seven. Right now they're two back of the Atlanta Braves. They just won the series in Los Angeles, took two out of three from the Dodgers, and now they move over from Los Angeles to San Francisco for a four-game set against the Giants. And by the way, those are the two worst cities you're talking about crime and homeless in America. Yes, Mayor Eric Adams can boast that we probably have it better here than L.A. and San Francisco, where the Mets have been all week long. But bigger story from the Mets than just a win over the Dodgers last night was Max Scherzer, one of the uh, two Met aces, the other Justin Verlander. He's been hurt. Scherzer on his way to the Hall of Fame and was kicked out of the game last night and may be facing some issues from Major League Baseball. What happened there, Justin? Well, he uh, came out for the third inning, uh, I think before or either during or before or either during the third inning. He was pitching out there. They checked him for substances, and he claims um, that he was very adamant in the fact that he was just using rosin and sweat uh, to make his hands sticky, which all the pitchers yeah, do in the MLB. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm convinced that most pitchers still use some sort of substance. That well, he was yelling and screaming, well. I would be an idiot. Yes. So when somebody yells and screams, and it's funny, I just got a text from one of the great defense attorneys in the world, not Joseph Takapina, not Danielle Rosenberg, but my attorney, Arthur Idala. And he goes, wow, first album, no murmur, great tune, R.E.M., Life's Witch Pageant. No, it's murmur, I'm right. He goes, no one else would play that except for me. But Artie could appreciate this. When somebody is yelling and screaming, I would be an idiot to do that. You can bet your whole salary yeah. that person did that. Yeah, yeah. But then, he, but then he literally swore on his kids' lives. Yeah, was, he goes, I told, I told him, I, I, I swear on my children's lives. I'm not no. using anything. Ken, jump in here. What I was just say? about to say that he swore on his kids' lives. You don't think he, uh, he's innocent, Sid? No, think I don't. He, you think he did it? I, I go by the Nancy Grace School of Law, which is... Everybody is guilty until proven innocent. Yeah. Yeah. Really, in America, it's supposed to be the other way around, but Nancy Grace, everybody is guilty. And by the way, it's it's the stupidest thing ever. I mean, just let the pitchers use whatever they want. Yeah. Batters are using a whole hell of a lot of pine tar. Sure. You don't care, do you? No, I I really don't care. All right. We got, again, five great guests coming up today. Judge Napolitano, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle, Cat Timp, and Ron Duguay. Also, traffic with Joe Nolan. His devil's in big trouble tonight. That's all coming up next, but right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today's minicast is from the Dominic Carter Show. Here, Dominic talks about another big city like New York, like Los Angeles, like San Francisco, Democrat-run, and in the dumper, that would be Chicago.
young black crowds, as we just saw in Chicago, are attacking white people and feel historically that they have a right to do so because of past injustices. I'm telling you folks the truth. It's been this way for a couple of years. Disturbing video shows that terrified woman attacked by the mob during the teen takeover in downtown Chicago. We discussed that uh, last night, right? And um, white woman, all black crowd, and apparently her boyfriend was uh, nearby, and she was literally backed into a corner with no place to go, and this crowd attacked her. By the way, congrats to Dominic Carter. Had some pretty good numbers during this uh, March winter book. Did pretty well, so did Rita. Frank did uh, very well, and I killed it. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Uh, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com, pavilion to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers, both of our major league ball clubs. Bounced back with wins last night. The Yankees edged out a victory in extras over the LA Angels in the Bronx. However, game finale of the series is set for 4.05 p.m. this afternoon at the stadium with Nestor Cortez getting the nod against LA's Patrick Sandoval. Now for the Mets, who secured another series win, this time over the Dodgers in Los Angeles, taking the finale by a score of 5-3. to three. New York will take the win right into a four-game set in San Francisco against the Giants. Set to begin tonight at 9.45 p.m. Eastern Time. Kodai Senga will take the hill against San Fran's Michael Grove on the ice. The Islanders dropped another close one to the Hurricanes in Carolina, losing Game 2 of their first-round playoff series by a score of 4-3 to three in overtime. The Isles will come home tomorrow night for Game 3, where they'll hopefully use the home ice advantage to climb their way back into the series. Tonight on the ice, the Rangers and Devils are ready to go for Game 2 of their opening round series. Puck drop set for 7.30 p.m. in Newark, with the Blue Shirts currently up a game on the rival Devs and Devs, I should say, and tonight on the hardwood, the Nets return home for game three of their first-round playoff series with the Philadelphia 76ers. Tip-off is set for 7.30 p.m. Eastern time with the Nets currently down two games to none. Here was sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best-built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. It's always great to be on with you, Sid. You educate New Yorkers better than anybody, so thanks. Educate New Yorkers better than anybody. And really, it's a guess who do that. I don't. I talk about a bunch of nonsense. But on a day like today, when you've got Judge Napolitano, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle, Cat Timp, and Ron Duguay, odds are someone's going to learn something. Whether it's about comedy, hockey, the politics, you'll learn something today on the Sid Rosenberg Show. The cover of today's New York Post reads like this. 
if your application is denied or you attempt to cross into the United States unlawfully, you will not be allowed to enter. Who said that? President Biden, January 5th, 2023. Then it goes on to say in very big black bold print, Biden lied. Shocker. No. Yeah, he lied. No. He's a liar. No. But he's also senile, so it's, I'm not even sure I'm if he knows he's that. a liar. You know? I don't want to hear about that anymore. Right. Stop well, it. There you go. He's okay. a effing liar. Yeah, you're right. I'm a wrong. scumbag. I agree. Post-special report, borders still open, migrants being waved right in. Shelter beds at 130% capacity, and it's only getting worse. And here it is, the coup de grace. And no, he did not contact me yesterday on my birthday. He did not. Mayor Adams, the president, has failed this city. So I walk in and I see this, and I'm like, finally. I've been very critical the last three weeks for the mayor. I played it a bunch yesterday, dating back to three weeks ago today. That was the last time the mayor was on this show. Three weeks ago today. It was opening day. Yankees and Giants. Ironically, the Mets play the Giants on the West Coast tonight. And I brought on the mayor to talk about baseball. But that morning we found out again at the risk of repetition that the grand jury was going to go away for about a month. And it looked like Alvin Bragg's case against my friend Donald Trump was about to die. And, of course, hours later on that same day, it turned out that Donald Trump was, in fact, indicted. And when I played the cut yesterday, more than once, of me and Adams, it was increasingly clear that Mayor Adams knew that there was going to be an indictment. Now, I didn't pick up on it at the time. I really didn't, I'll be honest. But it was increasingly clear that the mayor knew about it. And then I asked the mayor about Bragg giving the mayor ample opportunity to crush the Manhattan DA. Because while Eric Adams continues to tell folks that New York isn't all that bad and Jim Jordan in Ohio is worse and Ron DeSantis in Florida is worse and San Francisco is worse and Los Angeles is worse, well, maybe some of that, not all of that, trust me, maybe some of that is true, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change the fact that New York is still not safe. Ask Curtis Sliwa, who was a, his wife, Nancy, was attacked on the streets of New York not that long ago. Ask my friend Corey Zelnick, whose beautiful wife, Jessica, on the Upper East Side, attacked on the streets not that long ago. Ask my dear friend Elvis Duran, talk about ratings, Mr. Z100, who was attacked on the streets not that long ago. So Adams... While he's made some headway, it's about the size of a pubic hair. He's got tons of work to do. He is nowhere near the celebration stage. So three weeks ago, he's on this show, and I give him an opportunity to crush Alvin Bragg for worrying about Donald Trump, when in fact the city that the mayor oversees, the city... That will determine whether or not Eric Adams is a good or bad politician. The city 
that may very well pave the way to the White House, which is all Adams wants. He can deny it all he wants. I'm telling you, his designs are on Pennsylvania Avenue, not Gracie Mansion. But if the city continues the way it's going, he ain't getting there unless he's taking a bus like the rest of us on a D.C. tour. So I gave him the chance to crush Alvin Bragg, who spent his time worrying about Donald Trump instead of people committing real crimes in this city, and Adams blew it three weeks ago today. Now we hear the grand jury maybe another month. It ain't going to happen because the truth is Alvin Bragg does not have a case. What are your thoughts on the Manhattan DA getting in so deep that he tried to bring a case that, quite frankly, Mr. Mayor, doesn't exist. You, you know, there's one thing I learned, Sid. Let prosecutors do their job, and I'll do my job. I do not get involved with it. Uh, I do know that there are layers to an investigation and that I don't recall the DA ever stating uh, that where was he in the process uh, I think there was a lot of speculations. There was a lot of rumors. Uh, there were a lot of innuendos flying around. But I think the DA has been extremely professional. No, right there he loses all credibility, Mayor Adams. The DA, that fat loser, has been extremely professional. Come on. So then, like I said, going back to the original start of this segment, Mayor Adams, the president, has failed this city. So I run in and I go, Justin, I've been waiting forever for Mayor Adams to personally call out, by name, by name, Kathy Hochul, Carl Heasty, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, Alvin Bragg, Al Sharpton, you name it, just give me somebody. And I read the cover of today's New York Post, the president has failed this city. Adams calls out Joe on lack of migrant aid is in the New York Daily News. So both New York papers have Eric Adams calling out Joe Biden, and guess what? He didn't do that. He didn't do it. What he said yesterday, he has said before, time and time again. He's talked about the quote-unquote national government failing us. He didn't call out Joe Biden. He didn't say the quote-unquote president has failed us. I know it's semantics, I get it. When you say the White House, when you say national government, clearly you're referring to the president. But until he actually says Joe Biden's name, I believe he's still running for cover. Don't forget, he's only a couple of weeks removed, the mayor, from comparing himself favorably to Joe Biden, calling Joe Biden a blue-collar president, admitting to me on this show that same day that he likes Joe Biden. So I hate to break it to the New York Post and the Daily News, but the mayor did not, did not call out the president. Because until he says, hey, Joe Biden, you are really epping me in this city, he hasn't called out the president. Instead, this is what Adam said. And by the way, he has said it before. Washington is time to response. Respond. Enough is enough. New Yorkers deserve better. They don't want our free shelter. They don't want free food. They don't want free clothing. They're saying, can we work? Fortunately, they can act with a stroke of a pen. That's all it takes. Thousands of people are waiting to come across the border and potentially end up in New York City. Why are you doing this to New York? 
the national government has turned its back on New York City. The national government. Now, did you hear, Joe? Let me go to Noam Layden, our uh, very proud news director. Does a tremendous job, five to six, every weekday morning. In between, me and Frank Morano does the news on this show. At any point during that cut, did you hear Eric Adams say the word president and or the name Joe Biden? Did not. No. Yeah. So why would the New York Post say Mayor Adams, the president, has failed this city in quotes when, in fact, he said the national government, which he has said many times before? He's never going to call out Biden why because not? that's his buddy. Okay, then what good is is what he did yesterday? I mean, what what good is it if you're not going to call out the actual person? What does the national government mean? What is that? Well, the national government would imply the yeah. chief executive, who is Joe Biden. If you're so angry, and clearly the mayor is angry, if you're so angry, so pissed off, why bother with implications? Why not go for the jugular? You would think he would just yeah. because he'd be looking out for us here in New York. But again, he's not. You know, he's trying to play it both ways. He knows people like Sid Rosenberg are pissed off about enough of the migrants and the nonsense in this city. So he knows he can't just stand idly by and say and do nothing. But he also knows that what he needs to do is start calling out people by name. And even though the New York Post and New York Daily News say today he did that, he did not do that. He didn't do it. He did not call out the president. He said national government and Washington, D.C., that can mean Biden, it can mean Mayorkas, it can mean Kamala Harris, it could be a multitude of people. You know what the amazing thing is, is what is he afraid of? I mean, he, he's, he's already afraid. endorsed Biden, so right. you you, uh, you can civilly say, hey, you, we, you, we need your purse strings. Uh, it's going to cost us $4 billion well, to take he, care of these 50,000. He has asked Joe Biden time and time again for money. He's got nothing. I mean, for all this, the way he talks nicely about Joe Biden, he has asked the president, time and time again for money, he's got nothing. Then, in a real pathetic display, he really sucked up to the president because he was dying to get the DNC here, because that does mean millions, if not billions, to New York City. And they picked Chicago. I mean, they really stuck it up Adam's ass. They did. Yeah. So what are you doing? What are you doing? What has Joe Biden done for you? that you continue to call this issue not a Joe Biden issue, a national government issue. You know that people like me want blood. We want to hear the names. Hey, Mayorkas, you're killing us on the border. Hey, Kamala, you're the border czar, really? Hey, Biden, stop letting everybody in and ruining our cities and blaming Republican officials. That's what we want to hear. Is that asking too much? It's not. And, Sid, Record number of people still streaming across that southern border, northern border, by the way, too. And guess where a lot of them are still coming? 200 migrants a day still coming to New York City. Right. Right. I don't know. I thought, again, the mayor had an opportunity, and I was so excited when I saw the New York Post. But false advertising. Somebody better call the Better Business Bureau. <laughs> False advertising. 1-800-848-WABC. Thank you, Noam. 1-800-848-9222. Again, five great guests on the way. We're going to talk to Judge Napolitano, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle, Cat Timp, and Ronnie Duguay. All that on the Thursday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning.
Kid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. You know, I feel like I have to give a history lesson on my birthday. Some some big things happened that day. Some bad things, actually. Timothy McVeigh, the Oklahoma City bombing. That was on my birthday, April the 19th. McVeigh, of course, was killed years later. Well, not killed. I guess he got the uh, death penalty. That was on my birthday. David Koresh. They actually burned down the Waco compound on my birthday. They did find... The younger son, their brother, bleeding in a boat after the Boston bombings on my birthday. But uh, today happens to be Adolf Hitler's birthday, April the 20th. Yeah. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I had a chance to be born on my mom's birthday, which I was, or Hitler's birthday. And I think I got the better of the two. Well, you didn't have a choice. You you got lucky. No, but, you know, know, the doctors can... Find a way to get that thing out. Is that what they did? I have no to idea. To avoid you having well, how would I know that? birthday. <laughs> yeah. Can't be born on Hitler's birthday. And and the reason why I go back to that is, you know, all these horrible school shootings and what's happened to our country really over the last 25 years. And it all started back in 1999, 24 years ago, with the Columbine incident. And those two kids... Dylan Klebold and Mark Harris picked this day, Adolf Hitler's birthday, on purpose to do that. And we've seen so many since, two in particular that were really horrendous, Adam Lanza, Sandy Hook, Connecticut, and then the most recent one in Uvalde, Texas. But it all started really 24 years ago today with Columbine. And to me, that's when the country started to really, really go down the tubes. 24 years ago today, Columbine, Adolf Hitler's birthday. And 420, of course, for you pot smokers. I guess it's a big deal today. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I guess. There you have it. All right, folks, one hour in the books, 7 o'clock hour, which includes 
Bill O'Reilly's morning message and the judge, Andrew Napolitano. Our number two of New York's favorite talk show. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, coming up on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sid and friends in the morning. What'd you say? He's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi! My friend Brian Kilmeade will join us tomorrow on Right Now with Ainsley and Douchey, Steve Douchey, the father of Peter Douchey. Hey, that's not nice. Fox and Friends on Fox News, and they are spending an awful lot of time on RFK Jr. In fact, the screen now reads NFL star and maybe soon to be New York Jet Aaron Rodgers is supporting RFK Jr., in his efforts now, he has officially announced he's running for president. He says, give me a sword. I need an army. And it can't be just a party. I need Democrats. I need Republicans. I need independents. No, Robert, you need a miracle. Yeah. I mean, and a new, uh, you know, a new voice. I mean, a new way of, like, talking. I don't know. I know he's got a, an impediment, but. Yeah, there's a poll this morning that says Joe Biden right now gets 79% of the support and RFK Jr. gets 14%. 13% go undecided, and that psycho Marianne Williamson, she gets 5%. But it's not close, 79 to 14. So, And I know I get yelled at all the time, especially the Fox News guy, Sid, Sid, it's always the same one. No one thought Barack Obama would win. He came out of nowhere, but come on, man. He checked so many boxes. He's black. That's a big one. Huge box. Huge. And also articulate and wonderful speaker, beautiful family, all that stuff. This guy, a Kennedy, like the least known Kennedy, down 65 points to this stuttering, muttering prick president? I'm going to take him seriously? Are you nuts? RFK Jr. But Aaron Rodgers loves him. Well, because it's the whole vaccine thing. RFK's yeah, a big, I know. Uh, yeah. you know. Well, yeah, well, is Aaron Rodgers going to be a jet anyway? It's, uh, I'm, listen, <laughs> this has taken so long that I can 
pretty much almost guarantee you at this point that it's going to fall through. No, it's not. Yes, it it's, no, it's, it's the Jets. I mean, it could fall through. That's true. Good point out it can there. So do you know that we have a huge listenership? This goes back to the days when my late great dear partner Bernard was still alive. Rikers Island, there are a bunch, you know this for a fact, Justin, Yeah. a bunch of inmates that listen to me every day, and me and Bernie way back when. In fact, we used to have these uh, really stupid meetings, the program director, all three of them, Craig Schwab, Dave Labrosi, and uh, the latest, Matt Meany. Stupid meetings. And they would tell us what to do, what to say, and uh, what it would be nonsense. So the last thing talent wants to do, if they're doing a four-hour radio show, the last thing talent wants to do was sit in a meeting, folks. This is not an office. We're talent. We want to do our show and get the hell out of here. So we'd have these meetings, you know, and we would talk about um, what we were going to do and maybe do some events on the road. And the one that kept coming up was doing a live show. You were, you were there for this, Justin, at Rikers Island. This is uh, after I was detained. And I thought it was a great idea. So it turns out there's a local story today where the city is now going to basically charge us $53 million for prisoners being treated unfairly at Rikers. Now, let me say this. I just said it. A lot of those folks there love me. They love me and Bernie. And I appreciate that. But the last thing I care about is how we treat a criminal. I, I can't believe we do this. Like, I'm all for torture. I'm all for it. Stick water up their nose, up their ass. I don't care. I'm all for torture. I don't care how we treat prisoners. I don't care. So the fact we're going to spend $53 million on these people, and I've got friends who have gone to jail, very, very, very close friends, jail, prison, but I hate to tell you, as much as I love them, I love them. You don't get a sympathy card when you break the law and go to prison. If you're going to do it, be a man, suck it up, and just do it. $53 million? They're not being treated fairly? Am I being treated fairly? I don't think so. I got to pay exorbitant taxes. Exorbitant taxes. I live in a city that's filthy. I don't make enough money. As well as I do, I don't make enough. Politicians make excuses every single day. They charge me a, an arm and a leg for my kids to go to school. Am I being treated fairly? Nobody cares. The fact that there's 19 people sitting home today not working, smoking weed and watching reruns of SpongeBob while I pay, I pay for their kids' education. Is that fair? I don't think so. But nobody cares about me. The fact that now black people and gay people and anybody else are more important than a white Jew. Sorry, Chris Rock. Is that fair? I don't think so. But I'm supposed to be sympathetic towards a criminal at Rikers Island? Are you nuts? What the hell's going on here, Justin? No one is treated more unfairly than me, I'm believe with, it or not. I'm with the you, man. The white man working hard, I am treated unfairly. In just about every aspect of my life. Sorry, these are the facts. Not these criminals at Rikers. Yeah. You're right. You're yeah, totally I'm right, right. I'm right.
Of course you, I'm right. What do you mean I'm right? Of course I'm right. Well, because you're the everyman, you know. You're, you're, you're the, I am that everyman, yes. You're the control variable yeah. here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are you excited about this whole Trump versus DeSantis thing? It's getting, uh, it's getting pretty exciting now. Uh, define excited. And I don't really get excited about much. Well, it's more exciting than talking about RFK Jr. Well, right? that's for sure. Mike that, Pence. That's, that is for damn sure. I mean, yes. How boring is Mike Pence? At My least God. these two guys are going back and forth a little bit. Well, and the only two guys that have a chance to win. Right. I mean, Tim Scott. But he hasn't even declared yet, DeSantis. No, not yet, no. Right. But his pack is out there going after Trump. And Trump, we know, is going after DeSantis. Donald Trump, I know you know this already. Maybe you don't. Donald Trump, in uh, the new commercial, the Trump Pack commercial, contends that Ron DeSantis eats pudding with his fingers. Have you seen the video of this? Because it's disgusting. <laughs> I have seen it. <laughs> Trump is crazy, man. How can you not love Donald Trump? I just don't understand it. How can you not love Donald Trump? This is what he's talking about. Ron DeSantis eating pudding with his fingers. If you haven't seen this Trump Pack commercial, it sounds like this. Ron DeSantis loves sticking his fingers where they don't belong. And we're not just talking about pudding. DeSantis has his dirty fingers all over senior entitlements. Like cutting Medicare, slashing Social Security, even raising our retirement age. Tell Ron DeSantis to keep his pudding fingers off our money. Oh, and somebody get this man a spoon. <laughs> Make America Great Again, Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. So DeSantis, he ain't sitting there quietly. He's going to fight back. So his pack, his team put together their own advertisement going after Donald Trump. This, Justin, cut number nine. Donald Trump is being attacked by a Democrat prosecutor in New York. So why is he spending millions attacking the Republican governor of Florida? Trump's stealing pages from the Biden-Pelosi playbook, repeating lies about Social Security. Here's the truth from Governor Ron DeSantis. You know, we're not going to mess with Social Security as Republicans. Well, what did Trump say? Entitlements ever be on your plane. At some point they will be. We will take a look at that. Trump should fight Democrats, not lie about Governor DeSantis. What happened to Donald Trump? Never back down Inc. is responsible for the contents of this ad. <laughs> so, the PACs are hard at work going after each other. Now, Trump goes after DeSantis at every opportunity. His social media, Truth Social, at every opportunity. DeSantis has not really punched back. He really hasn't. But now the PACs are going at it. Trump is still finding time, mind you, to go after Joe Biden as well. In fact, in a video he did just last night, just last night, on the aforementioned Truth Social, Trump talks about how he's blowing out the current president, Joe Biden, in the polls. This, Justin Ellick, is Donald Trump. Cut number six. We're getting lots of job requests from people currently working for the Social Security, Medicare cutting, the sanctimonious campaign. Ron's poll numbers are dropping so fast and furious that many people are speculating he's not going to run. He just hired Kiss of Death, Jeff Rowe. He's a kiss of death. I can tell you a lot of the people that we defeated who were represented by Jeff Rowe, Kiss of Death, who dropped... Young Kim, you know who Young Kim is, to see if he can help. And he's going to help Ron, but I don't think he's going to help him much because 
I'm leading in Texas by 42 points, Iowa and New Hampshire by a lot, overall by close to 40 and by 10 against the scammer, Joe Biden. Well, there you have it. I'm a big on Ron DeSantis. I'm a big on Joe Biden. I'm Donald Trump. Hear me roar. Bill O'Reilly's morning message and an always great Thursday conversation with my dear friend, Judge Andrew Napolitano. If you keep it right here, this is Queensryche, Silent Lucidity. Mine took you to feel the pain of someone close to you leaving the game of life. So here it is, another chance. Wide awake, you face the day. Or has it just begun? Sit in friends in the morning, 77 WABC. I mean, working at one of the great AM signals in New York was, of course, uh, WFAN, and they still operate on the AM. And I know that uh, your boss um, got, I guess, Mike Pence to record a PSA. Yep. And hopefully AM radio will survive. There's a lot of great radio stations that, for whatever the reason, are not on FM. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly hope the AM, AM dial remains an integral part of radio and stays in cars. But not my call. I just wish and hope that it does remain. It's it's deserved that, you know, not everybody can move over to FM for whatever the reason. And um, most AM signals, uh, especially whether it's the big cities or the small cities, do have a local purpose and a local reason for being there. And I just hope that it's successful, whatever Mr. Katsimatidis and um, the whole industry will be supportive and get to the automakers and, and just hope that uh, we can get the AM to still exist in cars. So, we're making a DVD here. Thank you for being a part of the film, the little movie we're making of tonight. Grazie mille. You kind of invented the movies, though, didn't you? Yeah. We're on the stained glass windows. They were the first movies. Stories told through color projected by sunlight. The Duomo, just up the road, is like the first cinema in Italy. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about here, but excuse moi. Anyway, uh, I can talk if I want to. 
Live, you too, from Italy, still haven't found what I'm looking for. And right before that, you heard one of the greatest radio executives of all time. He called into this show yesterday, wishing me a happy birthday. And that is, of course, the genius behind WFAN, Mark Chernoff. And he was talking about the AM dial. And he's right that John Katsimatidis, our boss, savior, dear friend here, he's been very involved, very involved in making sure that automobiles moving forward still have AM radio. There's a big story out just a couple of days ago that the electric cars, they're not going to have it. So the conservative talk show hosts, they feel like it's a war on them because they feel like everything's a war on them. But they may be right here. I don't know. They probably are right. But guys like Sean Hannity and Mark Levin, they've been yelling and screaming that AM is our conservative home and that we must have it. And if you get rid of it, it's an attack on conservative radio. In fact, uh, here is Levin, this uh, cut number 19, talking specifically about that. The average one, the weasel, Mark Levin, cut number 19. Ford is the latest manufacturer that says the future production of cars will not include the AM platform, Mr. Producer. You saw that, right? BMW has said it. Others have said it because it interferes with something or other. They finally figured out how to attack conservative talk radio, Mr. Producer. Let me be the first one to say it. Right at the manufacturer level. Rather than going after us through the FCC, rather than going after us through legislation, rather than going after us through boycotting advertisers and all the rest, just don't make AM stations available in automobiles anymore. Because not all, but most conservative talk shows are on the AM band. That doesn't mean you won't have alternatives, of course. There are many alternatives, but that's not my point. This idea that all of a sudden you're going to remove the AM band from cars... That's aimed at people like me, to prevent people like you from just turning on your radio as you drive in your, your own local area or general area and listen to the station. Novin, by the way, to his credit, did nearly triple WOR last book. He got a 2.9 to their 1.1, and Levin's 2.9 is not exactly my 7.7. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. <laughs> It's nine o'clock on a Saturday A regular crowd shuffles in there's an old man sitting next to me Making love to his tonic and gin He says, son, can you play me a memory? I'm not really sure how it goes But it's sad and it's sweet and I when I wore a younger man's clothes La, 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 la La, 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 la Sing us a song, you're the piano 
I got to get to this uh, Megan Kelly stuff. You guys remember a couple of months ago. It was really around New Year's Eve when Chris Cuomo, I saw him on the streets, and we had a um, nice encounter, very nice. Exchange numbers, the whole thing, you know. And then, about two weeks after that, when I reached out to Chris in an attempt to get him on the show, in one text, he went berserk, lost his mind, threatened me physically, I'm going to choke him, I'm going to kill you, you talk bad about my brother, blah, 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 blah. Then he wanted to fight me, he wanted John Katzmatidis to put up a million dollars, I mean, a real psycho. You know, he's basically his brother without any brains. He's better looking, but he's his brother without any brains, you know. So, long story short, Cindy Adams does a whole story in the New York Post, and then Chris Cuomo just goes away. Somebody got to him. His brother somebody said, Chris, you're not going to win this one. You got nine people watching you on News Nation. Sid is a beast. Mornings in New York. You're not going to win this one. Shut up. Leave it alone. I have not heard a word from Chris since. Well, you should see my because you should see my text conversations with him. Oh, afterwards. Uh, afterwards. Because you try to book him too. I would try to book him, and so it's just a string of texts from me. No answer from no him. No answer. And then yeah. it's just, hey, do you want to come on the show tomorrow? Nothing. Hey, do you want to come on the yeah, show tomorrow? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and now, of course, I've decided I don't want either Cuomo on the show. I mean, I came a pubic hair away from putting Andrew Cuomo on, and I'm happy I didn't, to be honest. Anyway, so Megan Kelly on her podcast destroyed. Chris Cuomo yesterday, and in doing it, used the word vagina. How great is that? We'll get to that later. We put this time aside every Thursday morning to talk to one of the smartest guys in the business many, many, many years on Fox News, radio shows. I miss a bunch of others. And he's my friend, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Judge Knapp, happy Thursday morning, buddy. How are you? Oh, good morning, my man. I'm fine. I'm laughing like hell because these people are all my friends. Andrew Cuomo is my friend. I would never Chris admit. I would never friend. admit. I would never admit that in public ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> Listen, I owe Andrew a huge dinner. We had a bet over the Fox uh, Dominion case. I bet that Fox would take it to the jury. He bet that it would be settled. He won. He gets to pick the restaurant. He's going to call page six. We're going to sit down and have dinner. Well, you're going to have dinner with Andrew Cuomo, but now, because of what you just said, you're never going to have dinner with Janice Dean, I can tell you that, because she, <laughs> she really ups And she's right. Both of her in-laws died because of Cuomo's policies. But we'll get to Andrew Cuomo somewhere down the road. I want to talk about the mayor. The mayor is all upset. The New York Post really does me a disservice because it reads on the cover, Mayor Adams The president has failed this city. Well, Mayor Adams never mentioned the president, never did, never mentioned Joe Biden's name. In fact, he never does. He refers to it as the national government. So the Post kind of lied today, so did the Daily News. And Adams is not complaining about the amount of migrants in New York City. He wants the White House to give these people work authorizations so they can get to work. So Adams had an opportunity here once again to call out Joe Biden personally. He didn't do it. And he's worried about these people working. How about keeping them out of New York City? Well, I'm with you on this, Sid. Adams is a Democrat, and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to be perceived in public as attacking Joe Biden. Joe Biden is all over the place on the uh, on the immigration 
I think the Democrats uh, are in favor of as many immigrants in the country as possible because they want these people eventually to be able to vote uh, for the Democrats. On the other hand, I think a lot of immigrants are hardworking people that are escaping economic and political repression, and they want to come here for a better life, and the government should make, make it easy for them to have a better life. Joe Biden is all over the place. You knew where Trump was on this. You don't know where Biden is. And as far as the mayor is concerned, it, he's getting a raw deal. The Democrats are sending these people here. The Democrats are pushing this problem on him, and he doesn't want to be perceived as criticizing them. I don't know what he's going to do. I really don't. Well, you just nailed it. He does not want to be perceived as criticizing them because he has his designs on the White House, and he knows these people need to be his friends if it's going to be that way. And that upsets me just a little because you want to really believe that Adams cares so much about New York City and New York City comes first, but if you really, really believe that, you're somewhere between delusional and naive and maybe even stupid. Do you really think he has designs on the White House, Sid? A hundred percent. Wow. A hundred percent. So now I'm, I'm going to be very rude. Would you invite me to one of these dinners that you have with him? <laughs> I would love to interview uh. him. <laughs> I got to tell you, uh, I haven't talked to the mayor. The last time we spoke was on this show three weeks ago today. It was opening day, Yankees and Giants. We haven't talked since, and I've been very, very, very critical. In fact, on that day three weeks ago, he actually said, quote, the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, is being professionally uh, excellent. What was the exact uh, two words he used, Justin? Extremely professional. Extremely professional. This was hours before they announced the indictment of Donald Trump. Once he said that on this show three weeks ago, I'm like, okay, he needs a timeout. He needs a timeout, and he really believes that. Or at least he's telling people that, that Alvin Bragg has been extremely professional through this whole matter with Donald Trump. What kind of so nonsense is that? Should, I can't tell you how to run your show. You have the biggest and the best morning talk show in the, in the country. I'm thrilled and privileged to be part of it. Every time you tell your audience you and I are friends, I get goosebumps. Oh, thank but you. here's my advice. Invite him on. Let's you and I interrogate him. You don't need me to interrogate him. You interrogate him. <laughs> Invite him on. Maintain that friendship. That is a very unique friendship. You are a major spokesperson for conservative ideas in New York. This is a liberal, democratic, African-American mayor, and he's willing to talk to you. Take advantage of that. Oh, listen, I agree, and I haven't killed the friendship. In fact, I was hoping he was going to call me yesterday on my birthday, which he didn't. And I'm not saying he's permanently suspended. I don't want to see him again. But I have given him a timeout because I am disappointed. I thought that Eric was above that. I'm wrong. It's still about politics and Democrat at the end of the day. But let me ask you. Here's Alvin Bragg. Now, Trump not due back in court until December. Takapina was on this show yesterday. He said, listen, we're still looking over the evidence. Then he goes, a bunch of motions, and you can bet your ass, a bunch of motions to dismiss that they'll present to the judge well before December. So how do you think all this is going with Trump back in town again next week for a new trial with this alleged rape from this lady from Brodolf Goodman many decades ago? I mean, this this thing next week is uh, is it's not front page yet, but when he testifies and he will testify, it will be front page, and he's going to deny that uh, these events happened. Well, well, hold on, before you say he will testify, I can tell you that Takapina said on this show yesterday 
that he'd rather President Trump did not come to New York. He's going Now, he said Trump always wants to be at the place every single time, but his recommendation is a fervent, you don't need to be here. I agree with Joe on that, but this is not a criminal case. This is a civil case. The plaintiff can subpoena Donald Trump. Just as the first witness in the Fox Dominion case was scheduled to be Rupert Murdoch because the plaintiff subpoenaed him, the plaintiff can subpoena Donald Trump and force him to testify. Obviously, this can't happen in a criminal case because the Fifth Amendment, you can't be compelled to give testimony against yourself, but that does not apply uh, in civil cases. Trump will have to take the witness stand because he has to deny that the rape took place. Otherwise, the jury's only going to hear the plaintiff's version of this. Remember, this alleged rape, alleged rape, is 30 years ago. But the the geniuses in the legislature in the state of New York opened up the statute of limitations for all sexual assaults for one more year. There were about six months or five months into the into the year. It didn't didn't start on January 1st. It started on December 1st of uh, last year. So that's why this case is being tried now, even though the events occurred so long ago, and even though the statute of limitations on these cases is two or six years, depending upon whether you're claiming bodily injury or financial loss. Got it. Judge Napolitano, one of the things that you um, do a lot of on this show is talk about the DOJ, the FBI, all these parts of the government that are failing the people recently. Well, the IRS, there's a whistleblower that has come out and said that the IRS is doing this country a disservice with the way they are handling the Hunter Biden case. There's clearly bias in this case, and the whistleblower says it's time to unveil it. What are your thoughts on the IRS whistleblower? I praise the IRS whistleblower to the skies. Uh, I hope that this testimony comes out. I hope that the whistleblower is protected. You know, often the whistleblower statutes don't work. They're intended to encourage people to come forth with truthful uh, testimony, and they're intended to protect whistleblowers from retaliation. Somehow the government always manages to retaliate. They make up an excuse. Oh, we're not, we're not punishing you because of what you said. We're punishing you because you were late 15 years ago, whatever the nonsense is that they're going to make up. But this type of whistleblower will save the Republic. And I encourage this person and anybody else that is aware of the government failing to do its job or going easy on somebody for political reasons, that should all be made known. And the people who are making these decisions should be forced to justify them. James, so uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I don't know where it ends up, uh, Sid. I really don't. Uh, the president can pardon his kid if he wants. He's not going to do it because he wants to get reelected. But uh, the president has a lot of power in this. Uh, James Comer said on Laura Ingram's show last night on Fox News that when Joe Biden, Judge Napolitano, went to Ireland last week, it had nothing to do with the Good Friday Agreement. It was everything about Joe Biden running away to hide from the investigation, specifically all the money or the monies the Bidens have received from China. Because there was a whistleblower last week we may have seen on Fox News that said, hold on a second, I've got the dates. April 18th, Joe Biden knew full well that Hunter was working for Burisma, getting paid in the Ukraine. 
So Comer made the point on Ingram last night. He ran to Ireland to run away from the investigation. A bit much or maybe? Uh, you know, I, uh, this is the first time I've heard. I didn't. I, I was asleep when, when Laura was on last night. I went to bed early. So this is the first I've heard of this. And uh, I, 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 can't, I can't put the pieces together. I mean, he's the president of the United States. I don't know what he's got to run uh, away from. What, what happened here? While he was in Ireland, that insulated them. Uh, I don't know. It, it was a strange visit because it seemed like all he did was was visit uh, pubs. I don't know what the diplomatic purpose. <laughs> <laughs> not a bad, not a bad thing to do when you're in Ireland. I don't, know, like, I don't know what the diplomatic purpose uh, of the of the trip was. I know he was treated like a hero. He's the last Irish Catholic. I use the phrase loosely. And I mean it with respect. The last Irish Catholic president since JFK, but he was welcomed as a conquering hero over there. The column this week is entitled Secrecy Versus Truth. And I know that we're not that far removed from Jack Teixeira. I think you heard me yelling and screaming at Peter King last Friday when I said, listen, the kid should go to jail. I think, you know, publicly execute him and put him in jail forever was a bit much. Alan Dershowitz agreed. And I also believe that there's no way in a million years that a 20-year-old kid should be allowed to have that type of information. Don't tell me a 21-year-old is an adult because they go to war at 18. It doesn't take maturity and brains to fire a gun. It takes courage. It takes pride, but not maturity. 21 to me is way too young to have that type of information available at your fingertips. But with that said, I do believe Jack Teixeira should be put in jail for quite some time. Your column, Secrecy versus Truth, what's that all about? Jack Teixeira is an American hero, uh, along with uh, Bradley Manning and Julian Assange and Daniel Ellsberg and Edward Snowden. I noticed, by the way, you referred to him as Bradley Manning and not most recently Chelsea Manning. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Tuck, Tucker Carlson called Tucker Carlson called him a hero last week too, and he got killed on this station by guys like Peter King. I know. I'm, I'm getting killed. Listen, I have a libertarian podcast, as you know, uh, judging freedom. I have a couple of million viewers a week. I am blessed to have viewers of that magnitude, and I get killed even by my libertarian followers when I say this. But here's my argument. Because of what Jack Teixeira did, we now know that the government has been lying to us. Victoria Noland, she of the first Trump impeachment, has been lying to us. Uh, Tony Blinken, the secretary of state, has been lying to us. Lloyd Austin, the secretary of defense, has been lying to us. The president of the United States has been lying to us. What are they lying about? They are fighting a war that they know they are losing. And we have the right to know when the government is lying to us. And without people like Teixeira, we would never have known it. Wow. So, again, your stance is Judge Napolitano, one of the brightest guys in the business. Not only is Jack Teixeira not a criminal, he's a quote-unquote hero. Yes. I hope we are still friends. (laughs) No, listen. I was. I, I think he should be in jail, I do, because he's not really, he shouldn't put himself in that position to be a hero, right? He's got information. He shouldn't share it. 
I do think people went crazy a bit too much in how they wanted to punish this kid. There's a much bigger issue. There are adults at the Pentagon and at the White House, like you just mentioned, that really should be in jail today, not just Jack Teixeira. So I do think it was a bit much. But a hero, that may be the other extreme. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. My, my ex-CIA uh, guys that uh, come on air with me tell me that uh, before 9-11, before 9-11, it took five years, five years of scrutiny before you can get the level of security that this kid got in about a month. I agree. They just give out these top secret security clearances like you'd give out uh, lollipops <laughs> And it's wrong. You yep. have to have purity and judgment. This kid, by the way, is not the person who exposed it. He exposed it to his uh, his chat room. Somebody in the chat room gave it to somebody else, and that person gave it to the website that uh, exposed it. Why did he expose it to the chat room? He wanted it to feel important to right. his uh, teenage buddies. Right. Now, listen, I, I, I've made the point. level of immaturity that is shocking that a person would have a top-secret security clearance with that level of immaturity. Shocking. I remember when I was 21, I was a kid. And, I, you know, Bo tells me I was a cop, and Peter goes, there are guys serving. I don't care who you are. You are not mature at 21 years old. If You can't be president until you're in your 30s. Why would you give a 21-year-old kid that type of information? Right? You wouldn't give him the nuclear codes, but you're giving him that. It makes no sense. And, again, I think he's still guilty. Not on your side, 100%, but but I can see where you're coming from as well. And as always, a great conversation, Judge Napolitano. Love you. Thank you so much. We'll do it again next Thursday. Uh, I hope I stirred the pot for you. Love you, too, <laughs> all of us. Uh, happy birthday, young man. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, today, my first day officially at 56. Still a lot more to do. Four great guests about to come your way, including Bill O'Reilly. We're going to talk to Bo Dito live in studio. That's always great. Kat Kemp, she's got a new book out. Ron Duguay, Rangers and Devils, game two coming up later on tonight. And Gnomes Nuggets, all that's still to come. We're only halfway through Sid and Friends in the morning on a Thursday. There you go. Thank you. Hi, it's Cowboys legend Emmitt Smith, and this is See It in the Morning. Let me do that again. Hi, it's Cowboys legend Emmitt Smith, and this is See It and Friends in the Morning on 77 WABC. Oh, and by the way, I am way more famous than See It.
Genesis. No reply at all as we start hour number three of Sid and Friends in the morning. Great first two hours. Doug Napolitano was terrific. We've got four great guests still to come later on this hour. Really five if you include Gnome's Nuggets, which people love, I must tell you. They love it. Not just my beautiful wife, Danielle. Who else told me yesterday that they uh, they love this segment with Gnome? Well, I don't remember, but there was somebody. And a female, by the way. Uh, that's at 825. Bill O'Reilly, 840. Bo Deedle, always a ton of fun, live in studio at 905. Kat Timpf has a new book out. She's on Gut, Gut, Gut Belt Show. And um, I saw her in the green room when I was going on Jesse Waters' show last week. So join us at 925. And Ranger great Ron Duguay with the Rangers and Devils. Set to skate game two in Newark tonight. The Rangers up one game to nothing there. So one of the big stories today, maybe the biggest one, is this IRS whistleblower. We just talked about this with Judge Napolitano. And this whistleblower says that the IRS is, quote, mishandling the Hunter Biden case. And when he says that, what he's implying is that there's bias. No kidding. No, there's bias. So if you're not fully up on this whole deal, the case and what's going on, CBS News did a pretty good two-minute piece on it last night. It's the full report on the IRS agent requesting whistleblower protections in the Hunter Biden tax investigation. It's cut number 14. Justin. There is breaking news in the federal criminal investigation into Hunter Biden's tax returns. An attorney for an IRS supervisor sent a letter to lawmakers asking for whistleblower protection, saying his client has information that suggests the investigation is being improperly influenced by, quote, preferential treatment and politics. Here's CBS News chief investigative correspondent Jim Axelrod. My client wants to come forward to Congress. He's ready to be questioned about what he knows and what he experienced under the proper legal protections. Attorney Mark Lytle's client is a supervisory special agent at the IRS who's prepared to tell Congress the investigation he's been working on has been hampered by what he thinks is special treatment. Typical steps that a law enforcement investigator would take were compromised because of political considerations. Lytle wouldn't talk in specifics, declining to identify either his client or the target of the investigation his client helped conduct. Can you identify him? I can't at this stage, Jim. But CBS News has learned the investigation the whistleblower worked on is about Hunter Biden. What we're doing is is being completely cooperative. That was Biden two years ago, after the DOJ opened an investigation into his finances. The FBI collected what it believed was sufficient evidence to charge Biden with tax crimes and last year sent its findings to the U.S. attorney in Delaware. Since then, silence. Why can't your client talk to us directly at this point? There are laws that provide protection to whistleblowers, and he has to navigate that. Today, Lytle sent this letter to Congress, claiming his client could provide information that would contradict sworn testimony by a senior political appointee. I have promised to ensure that he's able to carry out uh, his investigation. CBS News has learned that was Attorney General Merrick Garland, who gave testimony about the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in Delaware conducting the Hunter Biden investigation. 
Lytle says neither he nor his client are motivated by politics. Would you find any evidence or allegation of a political agenda? No. To him, the truth is one truth, and he wants to come forward with it. Lytle told us the whistleblower has been with the IRS for more than a decade and has extensive documentation to support his allegations. The things he's been through are, are very well documented in emails and other communications with the Department of Justice. No political motivation, the complete opposite of what Democrats are doing to my friend Donald Trump, whether it's Alvin Bragg's nonsensical, ridiculous indictment, the arraignment, of course, here in New York. That's all about politics moving forward, even looking behind the Russian hoax, the Ukraine hoax, two impeachment hoaxes, all politically motivated, right? So not only is Hunter Biden under investigation, but James Comer out of the great state of Kentucky on Fox News last night with Laura Ingram on 10 o'clock every night, right after Sean Hannity talked about how the Bidens have gotten a ton of bank violations for receiving monies from banned countries. Did you know that, Justin? Well, I did when I pulled the cut this morning, yes. Uh, yeah. It's amazing when you uh, pull cuts when you find out. Right? Isn't yeah. it crazy? Yeah. My goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah. So this is James Comer on Ingram last night saying the Bidens, bank violations, cut number 10. The banks knew that something fishy was going on, and then they knew the recipients of these wires from, from China and other countries uh, were the Biden family. So they were politically exposed persons, is what, what it's called in a bank, a PEP, a politically exposed person. If you're a relative of a high-ranking government official, uh, you're a politically exposed person. And then if you're getting wires from countries that uh, are on our watch list or countries that we have sanctions against, then you're going to get a lot of bank violations. And what we learned is a lot of Bidens have gotten a lot of bank violations more than what we first would have estimated. And in this one, cut number 11, James Comer talks about how the banks were really fearful this money was coming directly from China. The banks were very suspicious of where the wires were coming from. Uh, and it, they weren't just from China. They were from other countries. And we'll go into more specifics hopefully next week about that. But uh, with respect to China, the banks were concerned that these LLCs sprang up and they had no revenue. And then all of a sudden, a $3 million wire or a $1 million wire popped up from some uh, company in China. Uh, and, and, you know, they were they feared that these were state-owned entities, uh, which means they were directly funded from the Chinese Communist Party. They weren't legitimate businesses. So last week, the President Joe Biden went to Ireland. He's Irish. Very, very nice. Right on the heels of the Good Friday Agreement, he went to Ireland. We also found out that Northern Ireland isn't exactly a paradise these days. But why did Joe Biden go to Ireland? Timing seemed a little fishy. James Comer seems to have the answer. Cut number 12. The president knew when he went to Ireland that my staff was already uh, granted access to Treasury to those bank violations. They had to know that we were going to uncover that there were even more Biden family members involved in this uh, influence peddling scheme. They had to know that we were going to discover new bank accounts and new uh, LLCs that we never before knew about because they'd never before been reported. So the fact that they were so blatant and so arrogant 
and bold to go and, and parade Hunter Biden around on the international stage. It's just another smack in the face to any American who ha- cares anything about public corruption. And this is not just Hunter Biden. This is not just Uncle Jimmy. Not even the big guy, Daddy Joe. Oh, no, there's a lot of Biden. <laughs> a lot of Bidens. Cut number 13. It's worse than what we thought. A lot of progress in 100 days. We've been able to get six different banks through subpoena. But what we've learned from uh, our most recent trips to the Treasury is there are a lot more uh, Biden family members involved. There are a lot more LLCs that were laundering money or at the very least hiding uh, the the source of the the deposits that were coming from our adversaries around the world. And, you know, there there are a lot more bank accounts than what we first thought. All right. So while the Dems continue... People like Alvin Bragg, Letitia James in this state, people like Merrick Garland, Joe Biden, as Mary Adams would say, in the national government to go after my friend Donald Trump. There's a lot going on with the Bidens, real criminal activity, unlike Donald, where they just make up stuff, right? They don't like him, so they're going to try to attach a crime. Here we've got the crimes attached to the Bidens. Now, promises earlier, Megyn Kelly, yesterday's podcast going after Chris Cuomo. She's uh, the newest one. I've already done that. We had a little tiff, me and Christopher. Actually, on the uh, conversation I had with Andrew Cuomo, he thought it was kind of funny. He's like, ah, it was kind of funny. You guys had some fun. But truth is, it wasn't all that funny. Chris Cuomo is a psycho. He is a walking time bomb Psycho. Yeah, his brother didn't read the text. Yeah, I guess not. Of course he didn't. But Megan Kelly is the latest to go up to Chris Cuomo on her podcast yesterday. It sounded like this. We needed to get a sampling of what Chris Cuomo is doing over on YouTube, where he does not even have 100,000 followers. Here's a little bit of what he's doing. Time for a walk and talk, and I don't want to be here. It is cold. So why <laughs> None am I of us doing does. it? Because nobody wants to do this right now, but helps me as a catalyst for desired change. Have you ever done a personal inventory? Work's going to be the easiest, by the way. So many years, so many reps. Is is he getting into self-help now? Is that going to be his new lane? He's going to go like the the Gwyneth Paltrow route? I don't like we're going to get vagina candles from him next. Oh, my God. Chris Cuomo vagina candles? I'd love those. Yeah. You should think about that. I would invest. You wouldn't? I probably would, only because it's Chris. It would be funny. I mean, why not at this point? He's on News Nation. The only time anybody watches is when Bill O'Reilly comes on. Bill's going to join me, by the way, in about 20 minutes, as he does 8.40 every Thursday. Otherwise, no one's watching that. But if he was selling vagina candles. Then it'd be a different story. Huge. I mean, my Absolutely God. huge. I wonder what they'd smell like. Well, it's up to you. Mm. Yeah. They don't really smell. It's not like you could pick a, a person, you know. Oh, you can't. What's <laughs> <laughs> the matter with you? 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Got a run of really good guests now about to come your way. Basically, from now to the end of the show, we got you covered. Noam's Nuggets, always entertaining. That's coming up next. The Man of the Week. Big ratings, daddy, and a really generous soul at that, my dear friend Bill O'Reilly, into one of my dearest friends, live in studio, Bo Deedle, into Cat Kemp. She's got a new book out, into 
one of the greatest New York Rangers of all time, as the Rangers get set to skate in Newark tonight, a game two against the Devils, up one game to nothing. The all-time great number 10, Ron Duguay. All that coming your way right now on New York's favorite talk show. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Come on. WABC. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. Brian, you had tremendous numbers on One Nation on uh, Fox News last weekend. Over 1.13 million viewers. Now, that would be a lot for a uh, a show during the week. That would be not a lot for a network show during, uh, during the week. Forget about a cable news network show. This came as quite a surprise to a lot of folks because this was one of the very few shows that you've done that didn't have Sid Rosenberg on it. And a lot of us thought that you couldn't break that million mark without Sid Rosenberg. Show, wouldn't it be good? That was Frank Morano last night, his weekly conversation with Brian Kilmeade, who will join me tomorrow on this show. Brian's on after me, 10 o'clock every weekday here on WABC. Also one of the three hosts, Fox News, Fox and Friends, and has his own show on One Nation on Saturday nights. And uh, Frank was kind of kidding, but not really, because the four or five times I've been on Kilmeade show, One Nation, Fox News, they get great ratings. So um, he gets about 1.1, 1.2 million viewers. Jesse Waters, I uh, believe two weeks ago, the last time I saw the ratings, 2.6 million viewers. Whoa. More than Sean Hannity, more than Rachel Maddow. In fact, only Tucker Carlson at 3.1 million. I know O'Reilly's laughing right now, but only Tucker beat Jesse. 
And uh, talking about ratings, the night that I was on last week did so well that now Jesse has invited me back on a regular basis. So, Hey, now. Not only do I get great radio ratings in the morning, but when I go on these TV shows, they seem to do very well, too. So You're like a, how do you say, like a... Uh, ratings magnet? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but... Well, you said it. You know who's good-looking? This uh, mayor out of Miami, the Suarez. Uh, a good-looking guy. Why? Well, what do you mean? What's the matter? Why, why do we care, why do about, get why do we care about the mayor of Miami? Because he, he may run for president. Who cares? Uh, Fox News does. Oh, yeah. All morning long, RFK Jr. on the left, Mami Mayor Suarez on the right. Suarez may run for the president. So, not a big story to you? No. You know what I felt bad for this morning is my friend Kelly Ripper. Yeah, I know Kelly's a liberal. I don't care. I love love her. And I love her because when my book came out in September, and she came on this show to talk about her book, Inevitably, we talked about my book, came out the same time. You remember the story. And she said, listen, you have a book out as well. Here's what I'm going to do. She's got three million viewers. I'm going to hold up my book on Monday morning for my national audience and talk about your book. I said, you don't have to stop. You're not going to do that. And sure enough, she did it. It was a big deal. Ryan Seacrest hated every second of it. He clearly knows who I am. Well, Seacrest is gone now. And just two days ago, three days ago, the new show started, which is Kelly and her husband, Mark Consuelos. Now, I love my wife, Danielle, more than anyone in the world, including my kids. Because quite frankly, without Danielle, there wouldn't be an Avor Gabriel. So she's number one. But there's no way in a million years I could envision working every day. By the way, Danielle's my agent. So she is talking business with me all the time. And even that gets uncomfortable sometimes, let alone working together every day. But they have decided that Kelly and Mark work together. They're four days in, and all the New York Post does every day is kill them. The other day, for example, she brought in a tape recording of Mark Consuelos snoring. You see your face? Yeah, nobody needs that. I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny. They Why? hated it. They hated it. So yeah. I would have hated it, too. Yeah, mm. I guess. Bill O'Reilly's coming up next, and Bo Deedle, Kat Timp, and Ron Dugay. But it is time for Gnome's Nuggets. Good morning, Gnome. Good morning. Uh, you know, no couple should work together. No? No. That's like way too much time to spend together. You wouldn't work with your wife, no? I'd probably be okay, but five days a week you're getting such a up. Pussy. God, you're such a pussy. Well, I hope <laughs> you would so. hate it. She's going to start doing the newscast here on the weekend. She could. Right. She'd probably do a better. By guy. the way, it, it didn't hurt um, Lucy and Desi Arnaz. Yeah, it did. They ended up divorced. No, oh, yeah, but that's because he cheated on her. Joe and Mika, they're thriving. That's true. Well, they weren't married. They were. They were doing really what they tell you the Dems never to do. Right. Which is sleep with your female coworker. That's a whole Me Too thing. They did exactly what T.J. Holmes and. Uh, and uh, Amy Robach, exactly yeah. right. And they've been fired, and deservedly so. They're both losers. But, but, they're, um, but they're both brain dead anyway. So Mika, Mika and Joe are just awful humans. Terrible they kind of deserve each other. We yes. worked with them. God, they're terrible. Terrible, people. right? <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. I think Bernie caught him once having sex in the studio. Seriously? Allegedly. allegedly I oh. don't. Yeah, I don't know the whole story. Boy, I've never seen anybody phone in a radio show like the two of them. God. Unlike their TV show. Yeah. Well, they work really hard on that one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Mike Barnacle, Willie Geis, I've got 19 people in there. Al Sharpton, Can cool. I, horrible people. I, uh, 
I had a moment with her. I used to write news for her. She because she she for Mika to, for Mika. Yeah, aye, aye, aye. yeah. It's just yeah. I, too long of a story, but I'll tell you the very short one is that sometimes she didn't like what I write it, it had written. It had to be like two sentences and very specific, right. and that's fine. Everybody like has their own thing. Sure. So I had just had it. And my kid, I was like pushing around my kid in her stroller. It was four in the afternoon. I had written this copy at like nine in the morning. And she was calling to yell at me for it, and so um, uh, I just couldn't take it anymore. She was like giving me a hard time. So I said, "Nika," and she said, "What?" And I said, "Go." F yourself. No way. Yeah. Swear. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's my job. I don't know. lose my job. So I hung up. You know, she hung up. (laughs) You might imagine when I said that. And so the next morning I went into the program director at WABC and I said, uh, listen, I want to tell you something because it's going to get back to you. No two ways about it. I'm sure Borman already knew. And so I told her what I had said to Mika. And the program director looked at me and said, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that to her. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I wanted to make out with you when you said that just now. <laughs> yeah. Now, I actually told Dynamics that on the air. Did you? And you were, oh, you weren't there that time, yes. On the air. They beeped it, of course. But yes, I did. Uh, not long before he retired. One of my. Oh, really? We all did that. Oh, you would have loved it, Noam. I must have it. been there if it was right before he retired. Yeah, you were there. Because I was fired the yes. day he was retired. He retired. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I uh, left the studio, went downstairs to the deli in Penn Station. Right. And he sent uh, Tony or one of his people after me. Come back, come back. The eye man wants to talk to you. But I actually used the F word on the air. Wow. Yeah. Zero remorse. <laughs> and he's dead now. He still don't feel bad. Right. Just, you know. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> what do you got to Um So quickly, uh, I wanted to take the kids to see the Knicks. You know, it's not too often the Knicks back into the playoffs, right? It's been a while. You so back into the playoffs? Well, this year they didn't back They had in. a great year. Yeah, they did Five have a great season. season. So, yeah. of course, I want to go see them. So I go on to see how much tickets are. It is crazy. I mean, no matter how much they charge, they'll always sell out because that's because it's the New York Knicks and it's Madison Square Garden. It's a huge event, yes. It is. The cheapest ticket to see them on Sunday play the Cavaliers, right? Yeah. $341. See, I disagree. The cheapest ticket is if Dr. Mark Siegel, Bill O'Reilly, uh, yeah. or Corey Zellner give me theirs for free. Right. I haven't paid one penny for a Nick ticket in five years. Wow. Not a penny. Well, maybe they'll throw me one, too. (laughs) That's not going to happen, no. Um, So it's $341 is the base price. That means your back is up against the wall at the highest level of Madison Square Garden. I mean, your (laughs) sight line is as bad as it possibly can be. And then you add in $107 in fees. So that ticket then becomes $448 a ticket. That's before you've even had a hot dog, hamburger, a beer, some milk duds. Right, so if I add that up all together, I'm not really good with math. I think that comes out to like fifteen hundred bucks. Over sixteen hundred. Sixteen hundred bucks. Oh yes. right, four H one sixteen. Yeah. Sixteen hundred bucks just to go in the front entrance. And that's before you know, they kids get me for whatever else they're gonna get me for during right. the basketball game. Right, like a Randall jersey. It, and it's insane. And, and you know, when you compare prices, uh, the average price of a ticket in 1996 to see the likes of, like, Kiss or Garth Brooks or the Knicks for that. Patrick matter, Ewing. 26 bucks. Wow. Yeah. That's and, how much they've gone up. And by the way, 96. Now, you're talking about the era. The Knicks right. went to the finals. They did. In 94. Lost to the Rockets. O.J. Simpson, blah, blah, blah. Went back to the finals in 99. Ewing, Spreewell, that team. So 96, you're right in the middle of those Nick runs with Ewing, Starks, Oakley, that club. 
twenty six dollars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and so uh, like last year, uh, uh, um, uh, there's you know a whole bunch of different concert tours that went on last year. A uh, Bad Bunny was the Billboard's biggest touring act of last year. What was Bad Bunny? Bad Bunny? You don't know Bad he's Bunny? Like, he's like the biggest uh, uh, Latino uh, pop star in the world. I know who he is. He's the biggest draw in the country? Of Billboard last year, 2022. This is why they want us dead, folks. <laughs> this is why the Chinese laugh at us. Uh, well, wait, just wait for Good Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> the average of that, 225 a ticket. Yeah. So, and then forget Taylor Swift. And it's all the middleman, by the way. Like, when I went to investigate this... It's all about the people who sell the tickets. The you know the venue it used to be the venue and the artist would split the profits, but now the middleman gets like fifteen or twenty percent. So everybody's hiking up their fees, and that's why the tickets are so damn expensive now. And so and it's never going to come down because mm. they have a, no. they have this monopoly. Well, I thought Congress held uh, hearings like last month. They did about total- Ticketmaster and yeah. Nonsense. Nothing happens. Nothing you know happens. You, you hold yeah. a hearing to make it look good and get yeah. on TV, and yeah. then they do nothing about it. So, so what it comes down to is your kids, they're not going to see that. No, they're not. They're going <laughs> to sit on the couch next to me. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll uh, you know, get some Grubhub if they're lucky, and uh, we'll sit and watch the basketball game. I will say, though, I got I got two Yankee tickets tomorrow. Like in se- not the same Section thing. 2. Not no, the not the same thing. Baseball is so much more affordable than the winter sports. Not even close. But I was actually surprised that I got two tickets for like less than 100 bucks. That's still a lot of money. I know, but Section 206 is a good seat. Is it really? Yeah. I wouldn't even know. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Ago, in lieu of my birthday gift, to make a donation to the charity Danielle and I started years ago, inspired by our angel, our lovely little boy Gabriel, the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD. And my next guest, who's not even a guest, he's a, he's a family member, well, he gave us such a beautiful, generous donation. I'm not even going to talk about what he gave. It doesn't matter. But it was spectacular. He was the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best. There is nobody in the history of cable news, radio, you name it, as talented and as smart as Bill O'Reilly. Whether it's 9 p.m. weeknights right here on WABC or his own website, BillOReilly.com, great interviews, great TV shows, great columns. Nobody provides the insight that Bill does, his killing series, his books, all of them are great, Killing the Witches, the latest one coming out soon. So here he is, the man, and really one of the major reasons why I can boast a 7.7 12-plus for March, my friend Bill O'Reilly. Good morning, Bill. Man, you're really uh, milking this birthday thing, aren't you? Yep. 
Yep, in a big, big way. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, a template for all of us. <clears throat> Sid is really, uh, you know, getting the most out of his birth. You know, your mother called me and said, don't you think it's a little bit too much? She would do you that, know, too. I, I, I said, madam, I, but you should be so proud of Sid, you know, giving birth to a guy who's in the gym every day. Every day. <laughs> yeah. Even right now, as a commercial reads, while I'm talking to you. Amazingly, I could be in two places at once. Uh, well, thank you for uh, for coming on this morning, Bill. Thank you again for your very generous donation. And thank you for being my friend. But I want to get to the um, this IRS deal, this IRS whistleblower. You know, there's all these stories about Hunter Biden, Miranda Devine, started in the New York Post. Then you had Tucker Carlson and Tony Bobolinsky. Uh, the latest guy is a guy I saw on Jesse last week that contends he's got written documentation that will prove that Joe and Hunter have 1,000% got monies from Ukraine and China. Now you've got the IRS whistleblower, years and years of all this, and still not one, not one Bill O'Reilly repercussion for Hunter Biden. Should I keep waiting? We'll move on. You know, look, we live in a corrupt country. I've said that time and time again. That does not diminish my love for the country based on what we've done for the world historically and what we uh, offer now, which is more opportunity than any other nation on earth. However, we have a corrupt federal government. And people, they don't want to accept that, some of them, but it's true. So the Justice Department does not want to investigate Hunter Biden, period. It's as simple as that, because they feel that it might lead to President Biden. And so you can have 15 people run out and say, I got this, I got that, I got this, I got that. But unless the Justice Department and the federal government mobilizes Nothing's going to happen. And I'm criticizing Republicans also. I have the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, on tonight on the No Spin News. I'll hear it at 9 o'clock on WABC Radio. Um, Because, look, if you're going to hold hearings, people can't go to the hearings. They don't know what you're doing. So what you should do is after every session – have one of the Congress people on the committee come out and lay it out in very simple terms. This is what we established today. Kind of like a, uh, a sitcom every, every week or whatever they meet. Right. So that people know what is going on because nobody does. And when you don't know what's going on, then the propagandists can run wild. So every president... Um, from Clinton on, has had accusations against them, every single one. And now we have Joe Biden, who is absolutely failing, and, and people don't know what the extent of that is. But again, today, he's got nothing on his schedule other than meeting with the president of Colombia. That's fine. Okay, meet with the president of Colombia. Meanwhile, I mean, you have just – catastrophic problems going unsolved in this country, and there's not even an attempt to solve them. It's bring on Mayorkas about the border, beat the hell out of him, make him look like a chump. Do we really have to do that for the 85th time? Everybody knows he's a Trump. 
yeah. uh, chump, not a chump. Oh, that might funny. have been a Freudian yes, slip Freudian there. Yes, Freudian slip right there. He okay. Om- yes, he almost everybody, apologized yesterday, Marcus, actually, but that was a good Freudian slip. Yeah, but everybody knows that. Is there anybody out there going, you know, that Mayork is doing a good job down there? Anybody? Kamala. Kamala Harris said that. <laughs> Kamala, all right. <laughs> I mean a human being. <laughs> there are none. But you talk about hearings. And I really thought with all the years of Democrats embarrassing themselves, and I'm sorry about the Russian hoax, the Ukrainian hoax, and Chuck Todd to this day still says, no, 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 we had evidence. No, you didn't. All these hoaxes, please, the impeachment, as embarrassing as all that was, the way they handled themselves on Tuesday when Jim Jordan Bill is sitting in a room in New York City with personal friends of mine like Jennifer Harrison, whose boyfriend and his buddy were murdered, murdered in cold blood a couple of years, more than a couple of years ago. Like uh, Madeline Bream, whose son was murdered. And the best that Democrats can do, uh, you know, in D.C., people like Adam Schiff, and even the mayor here is called it basically a Donald Trump donation, a stunt. How despicable is that? Well, they don't care about the victims of crime. I mean, and, and that this is even worse than Mayorkas. Everybody knows Mayorkas is a chump. Okay, he was put in that job to do nothing and to take orders, and the orders are let every migrant in that you can. So when you shift off to violent crime, I was on News Nation with Cuomo last night, and Cuomo's hitting me with 1990 statistics. This is what the left does. Oh, no, it's not so bad, because remember, in 1990, with the crack wars, it was so much worse. And you're looking at them, and you go, we, New York City and state, invested hundreds of billions of dollars to stop that madness in 1990s. And then Giuliani and Bloomberg came in and administrated policies that protected New Yorkers, and we felt relatively safe. And now... That is disappearing, and you're still in the 1990s? You, will, you won't acknowledge the danger on the streets of New York? It's insulting. But they're not doing it on purpose in the sense that they, they uh, and I'm talking about the Democrats now, Nadler and his crew, all right, that they go into a room and they go, we're going to insult the victims of crime. That's not what they do, all right, because they feel they're noble. They fear that their party, the Democratic Party, is noble and liberal and virtuous, and we're the superior people, and those terrible MAGA Republicans are awful, but we don't really care about the individual issue. It's all about the general ideology. But it was insulting to see Nadler. I would have hit him with a pie. <laughs> I mean, and no bail, though. If I hit uh, Nadler with a pie, no bail. Okay? And I, that would have been worth it. Oh, boy. Now they're in Adams on a uh, local level. Adams held a press conference outside and said this is nothing more than a Donald Trump donation stunt. Very disappointed in the mayor. Now, I want to go back to these big races. Uh, Of course, talking about Trump on the right, Biden on the left. Fox News is spending an awful lot of time this morning talking about the entry of RFK Jr. Now, the last poll I saw, Bill, had Biden at 79 percent and Kennedy at 14%, I guess that can change. Maybe Kennedy's numbers can go up, but is this a race? Is it even worth talking about? Well, all I'll tell you is that uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr., who I know pretty well, 
his own family won't vote for him. <laughs> that's, 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 not a good, that's not a good TV ad. I mean, you know, the Republicans can just do a 30-second spot on that. Um, are you going to vote for uh, your brother? No! Oh, my God. No, I won't. I won't vote for my oh. brother. So, no, he doesn't have a chance, but he's a Kennedy. So, you yeah. know, and and – what else is Fox News going to talk about? I mean, I, I just feel like... They're going to talk about the settlement. No, I know, I mean, but... a big gap there, you know? But the whole Kennedy thing, I mean, I hate to say it, but I feel like it kind of died with Ted. Like, this generation, they don't know about the Kennedys. I mean, John's I, been I, dead for 60 years. I kind of admire the Kennedy family, and I know I'm in, a, in the minority among um, some people, some groups of political players there, but... The tr- the pressure on those kids, you know. I know Doug Kennedy because he worked at Fox. He's a good guy. I mean, I, we used to have conversations. He was he he would tell me in the hallway of Fox News that I was too hard on African Americans. Because you're too hard on them. And I go, well, wait. I mean, I'm I'm basically trying to get to the problem of poverty and crime, and you've got to dig into the roots of it. He didn't like the fact that I was saying that. Uh, babies born out of wedlock to the tune of 73% is not a good direction for the African-American community. Is that an unreasonable position? It's the truth. It's not an unreasonable no. position. But but he, you know, he's it's on his sleeve. But I'm a historian, and I know what uh, I wrote Killing Kennedy, and I know what John and Bobby Kennedy did. Ted Kennedy I had no use for at all. None. None? None. Yeah. Zero. Did he kill Mary Jo Kopechnik? Well, I wouldn't go that far, but he didn't save her, and well, he tried to cover it up. Right, right. And there's no doubt about that. No doubt. Now, look, nobody uh, – he was drunk uh, when that happened, um, and nobody has a right to condemn anybody. I'm not in the judgment business here. I'm in the re- reporting business, all right? And everybody knows that he did not go down and try to save that woman, and she died. But I, I'm far beyond that. I don't think that Ted Kennedy was nearly as perceptive as his two older yeah, brothers. I agree with you. I agree with you. But I do admire the Kennedy family because they were raised under tremendous pressure. Um, you know, you can just imagine uh, everybody looking at them and this and that. And behind the scenes, they do some good in this country. I support the uh, RFK Foundation. Um, I've had, had for decades. What about this Miami Mayor Suarez? I've met him actually in Katsimatidi's office about two months ago. Good-looking guy, very good-looking, smart guy. But another one, I mean, I, I, I just can't get past Trump and DeSantis. I can't take anybody else seriously, not Pence, not Scott, not Haley, not Suarez. And I seem to think, Bill, that the more people that jump in, the better it is for Trump. Well, I don't know if Trump needs any help, but he's pretty well defined now. Um, but Mayor Suarez is not, he's not going to be a factor. I do think his family will vote for him, though, <laughs> unlike RFK Jr. Uh, but I'm not sure. Oh, but God. I think they will. Um, the problem with running for president is you have to raise an enormous amount of money to get people to even know who you are. And and it's almost impossible these days to do that because um, the average American family since Joe Biden's been in office has dropped $7,400. And that's the only economic stat you need. That's it. 
So since the management in office, the average working family in this country is down $7,400 because of inflation. And, and, you know, when you're taking a hit like that, there's not a lot of money to donate to Mayor Suarez to run for president. Okay? And we're doing the math here. Yeah. So I do think at this point it's a two-man race. Coming up fast, too. People, you know, oh, it's pretty early, you know, these idiots on cable news. And, and by the way, cable news across the board is getting dumber. I didn't think that was possible, <laughs> but it's getting dumber. Yeah. Okay? You yeah. just sit there. I don't watch a lot of it because I'm busy doing, you know, other things. I'm watching the Islanders. I'm, I'm watching the Rangers and the Knicks and all of that. So, But I do, and the commercials float over there to hear somebody say at the end of the day. <laughs> so I've got a tally on any given day. That cliche at the end of the day is said 4,787,000. Oh, they do say it all the time. And if you think cable news is bad, God forbid you watch Bill Ritter on Channel 7. Good luck with that. Hey, uh, Bill, you're the best. Thank you again for my birthday present. Thank you for all you do for me, for this show, for this station, for New York, for our country. You, my friend, I'll steal this from your buddy Sean Hannity, our great American, and I love you. Thank you, Bill O'Reilly. All right, Sid. We'll talk again soon. Go Islanders. Yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, they are at risk of falling behind 3 nothing tonight. Is that right? So they're back here on the island, down two games to nothing. And, of course, game two from Newark, New Jersey, later on tonight. My Rangers look to take a commanding 2 nothing lead on the road before they return to the Garden on Saturday night against the Devils. Bill O'Reilly, I love you. More of Sid and Friends in the morning with Bo Dino right after this. Sid and friends in the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Goes out to all my Jersey friends. Springsteen born to run. He'll be in Newark tonight to watch my Rangers kick the crap out of you for a second straight game. Fresh off the heels of a Bill O'Reilly who gave a very, very generous donation to the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD, started by Sidney and Danielle Rosenberg, motivated by Gabriel Rosenberg. Bo Deedle walks in the studio. Bo's my best friend, bottom line, him and Takapina. And he also, just now, gave a beautiful and uh, over-the-top generous donation as well because he's the man. Again, I've told you many times, for the better part of two decades, distinguished himself as one of the greatest cops in the history of this city, a tremendous actor, a loyal friend, and so good that he's on twice a week by phone 740 every Tuesday morning and live in studio like he is right now, looking very handsome, 905 every Thursday. And I wanted to see you Tuesday when all the boys, my buddy from Williamsburg and yours, Went out to see my friend Tony Darrow, who gave me a nice phone call on Wednesday, but I did miss it. But I know you were there. So. Yeah, yeah. Me and Margo came with a couple of our friends, and I'm going to tell you something. He mentioned you. He, he did? said, and thanks to my friend Sid Rosenberg, and it was packed. All the boys were there. Nice. It was packed. It was a great show. Tony Darrow's a great guy. Yes. And that's that. 
Now, I'm sorry. I know it's your birthday was yesterday, yeah. but I've come to beat you up a little. Son. Oh, that's fine. That's you okay. know, I come. I, yeah. I don't I, I don't waver at all. No. First of all, Blue Bloods, 10 o'clock this Friday night. It's going to be on. I play Carmine. Blue Bloods on CBS. This uh, now you tomorrow. promised because we promoted your appearance last Friday. I watched it all night. I thought <laughs> it was on and, and wasn't on. And now we're going there. It's going to be a great episode. I've seen it already. Bo was amazing. Make sure you check that and out. And also my uh, true crime podcast. I asked people to listen. In. What I did yesterday was true crime. What the state of New York City and New York State is all about now. What our biggest problems, which is a part of the true crime podcast. We're getting a lot of listens. Please listen. Now, here we go. You just had my friend Judge Napolitano on there. Yeah. I got a problem with him. I got a real problem with him when he says that this kid was a hero. And here we go. Well, so don't right. start in with so, me. Wait, so right. Don't start I said, in with me. I wouldn't call him that. No. No. I said he belongs in jail. All right, but let me he's give you a little inside information there, my friend Sid. First of all, my, my nephew works in top secret stuff for one of these defense departments. And he called me up. He goes, uh, uh, Uncle Bo, he says... 25 years of age, there are so many young people with top security clearances that are working on the most sensitive projects. Bad idea. When you get, when you get sworn in, you're 21 years old, whatever you are, 21, 22. Hey, listen to me, Sid. <laughs> that little punk over there yeah. in Connecticut that killed those 20 kids. Remember? Yeah. What yeah. was he called, Sid? What was he called? What he was, was called the a kid. No, but what was the name of that shooting? Oh, uh, the Sandy Hook shooting. Sandy Hook. I'm not going to mention his name. Yeah. He was 20 years old. Yeah. He gunned down 20 little children. Yeah. Oh, he was only a kid. And how about these creeps all over the street, all over New York, all over our country? Yeah. They're 21 years old. Yeah. Gunning people down, murdering, robbing. Yeah, they're kids. Oh, they're only they're kids. They're murderous, crazy kids. They're not kids. No, they they are. are not kids. They're just crazy kids. And when these yeah, cops go out there, take this job on, when our military goes overseas, kids. and they fight they're for kids. our freedom. They're courageous. They're not mature. They're, they're courageous and not mature. Kids? They're kids. They're, they're heroes. Th- that's fine. Well, listen, when Stop Judge Napolitano called this guy a hero, I said, you're wrong. I said, this guy belongs in jail. But, Bo, don't confuse taking a rival to Afghanistan with maturity. Okay. They're courageous kids. You know what the problem, They're kids. Sid? You know what the problem is, Sid? Because yeah. when you were 21, you were sucking on cocaine, <laughs> doing LSD, <laughs> and drinking yourself, that's throwing true. up on yourself. That's true. And you were a kid. Yeah. You were a kid till you were 40. Yeah, that's so true. So don't compare. But most people are like me. Most, and, and, oh, no, and again, no, 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 no. You're, you're confusing maturity no, with courage. No, 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 yeah, no. yeah, you are. I'm you a... are confusing maturity with courage. 18-year-old kid in a cave in Afghanistan is a kid. He's just courageous. Okay. But he's a kid. But we can't This kid him. is a kid. He's just a kid. Yeah, it's my, a kid. My but he point, has to go to jail. My point is I'm very active with the Marine Corps Law Enforcement Foundation, and we, we, give, uh, we give educational scholarships and all that stuff. And I meet these kids that are 22, 23 years old. And you know what they stand there? And they call me sir. And I don't want to be called sir. But these are real <laughs> heroes ready to go with all this political bull crap they yeah. got to watch. They Agreed. don't care. They put their lives on the line. They're you got the cops out oh. there. You got the cops out there every day putting on their gun and shield like that. Even that woman that got smashed a bottle on their head yeah. for wearing a uniform. Listen, 
Let's not use this kid thing. We learned it there. It bothers you. It does. I can tell it bothers you. It bothers me because, like I said, that little punk in Sandy Hook was 20 years old. He's a kid. And you tell the parents, oh, he was only a kid. No, they should have fried him if he didn't die. No one's going to say he's only a kid. He should have gotten the death penalty, but it doesn't change the fact he was a kid. All right. Let's let's let go. You know, I've been talking about... The creeps over there at Fox News coming at me. Lachlan, you lucky sperm. <laughs> hey, all of a sudden you copped out the $800 million, And you know why? Because all that testimony was going to sink you. Hey, Lachlan, you're the CEO during this time. You got to go. I got Fox stock. Go. The board of directors should find your ball bags and fire this guy. Now, guess what's coming, Sid? Oh, $2.7 billion, another suit coming. Smart. Smartomatic is suing them again <laughs> under the same grounds. By the time this punk is finished, there'll be no Fox News. The market cap is going down. And you want to talk to me? I've asked to talk to you over there. All you do is just suck your thumbs over there. You let this happen. All that management. And the leader is Lachlan Lucky Sperm Murdoch. Go. Go away. And I'm just so happy. I'm elated. I'm elated that you were found guilty. And you're going to be found guilty again. You can't tell people to lie on a news station. When I came on Fox News, we told the truth. And even O'Reilly there, we told the truth. Fair and balanced truth. Now you start to suck up and lie about this. About your friend Donald Trump. And they keep saying, oh, yeah, election stolen. (laughs) Shut up, Donald. It's over with, all right? You lost the election, all right? Maybe if you stop talking about it, more people would come and support you. Well, you know, you know I agree with you there. Okay. 100%. 100%. Right. Now, we <laughs> yeah. got this moron president. Yeah. Oh, he's having these three legislatures. He's just a kid. I'm kidding. <laughs> Shut up. From Tennessee. From Tennessee. Biden's inviting them to the White House on yeah. Monday. And you know who announced it? That lady there, the uh, press secretary, what's her name? Corrine Jean-Pierre. Okay. She's a moron, a moron. Right. And they invited them over to the White House. These three legislatures that were screaming and disrupted. Why not invite the kin of the people that died in that church who were shot down? How about invite their relatives there, you jerk? You punk, go back to Ireland. Go get, put a shamrock up your ass. All right, now, okay, now we go a little further. We go a little further. The whistleblowers coming out. I love these whistleblowers. I want to see them blow everything. My point is right now, now it's starting to erode. Hey, Biden, that whole protection and your attorney general, that schmuck that was sitting... That schmuck that was sitting inside the uh, uh, hearings there about your wall and your protection of our southern border. We got 7 million people that have come over. You got terrorists. Now you got all the Chinese coming over to our border. All spies. And you're sitting there. Well, the border is very secure. You're a liar. Get out of here. Please. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. And then finally, finally. Well, hold on a second. Who's going to take the shamrock out of uh, Joe Biden's record? I don't care. My little is attorney general or that little guy. You know who will take it out of the record? My orcas? No, the other guy from Indiana. Oh, uh, from Indiana? Transportation secretary. Oh, Pete Buttigieg. Oh, Buttigieg loves shamrocks. (laughs) He probably has a shamrock up his rectum, too. All right. Now, God knows what he has up there. Okay. Now. Alexander Mahoyas there, the relatives of a little seven-year-old girl and a grandma was uh, killed by an illegal alien with 11 
uh, Julio's in his truck, the illegal immigrants coming across. They killed him. And he turned around when they came to the hearings about people being killed by these migrants and all that. And now all of a sudden, my friend, my friend, Eric Adams. Hey, Eric, I love you and I still love you. But you're starting to realize, why don't you call Biden by name? It ain't the government that's Thank doing you. it. It's the president Biden, the Thank fool you. that is bringing seven, it's going to cost us $5 billion in New York City. Why don't you finally say it like it is? You can't be, what? what's that guy, Curtis Lee? You can't be an everything bagel. you got to be either a salted bagel or a poppy seed bagel. Don't put everything on there, Eric. you got to stand fast and call him out by name because he's the CEO, the same as uh, the uh, Lucky Sperm Lachlan. He's the CEO, too. Oh, my God. Oh, things are getting great in the state. Another liberal judge here, uh, uh, Caitlin Halligan, whatever her name is, she's now taking the spot of the other moron, Judge Roland Wilson. Uh, Wilson. Yes. He's the chief judge. Yes. She's as liberal as him. Now, you know what's going to happen? Listen up, everybody. Here's what's going to happen. Now they have the liberals controlling the state courts. And you know what's coming into play? The five congressional seats that the Republicans hold now will come into play, and they're going to redistrict them, and they're going to take them out. You talk about corruption. Where is America going? Every day we pick up all around the world. What's going on, Sid? What is going on? I don't know. When does this madness stop? You know, I'm in a depression because I watch this every day. I read everything, and I'm saying to myself, this is like a nightmare. It's like a cloud. Yeah. What else is going to go? And then you got China dictator. Then you got Russia. Everyone's laughing at this fool of a president. And everyone he put into his cabinet, every one of them, and this Garland, he should be taken out in handcuffs <laughs> because it's all him. He's utilizing the FBI for political crap. I hope this whistleblower comes out. The problem is we're starting to lose even what we have as far as with people in the Senate and the House of Representatives. We might not hold the House of Representatives. And all these investigations, you know what will happen to them? Bye-bye, dickhead. There'll be more, no more investigations. If they take over the Congress again, they'll stop it. Do you understand where yes. we're going here? Yes. And you'll never see any fair and balance. Balance is one thing. Our Constitution, our freedoms, our rights are on balancing. Checks and balance. Take the checks and balances away, Sid. You got I'm nothing. Not, I'm not a smart guy, but you take them away. You got nothing. And then we have nothing. Yeah. We have no one to check the moronic state of Washington. And it's going. Now, one more thing. Because, yeah. you know, I've been bringing it up on your show every time I'm on. And we talk about the gun law, the federal gun law. Yeah. Now I'm going to give. Well, you had a great idea with this. I'm going to give you the people listening. I don't talk out of my rectal orifice <laughs> over here, okay? Here we go. The federal gun law is 18 U.S. Code 922-921. And then you have the Armed Career Criminal Act, 18 U.S.C. 924. It mandates a minimum of 15 year term of imprisonment for any person conducting a, uh, a convicted of a felon in possession of a firearm if the person has three prior state or federal convictions for violent felonies. Violent felonies defined as the element of a threat, attempt, and physical force, extortion, arson. So in reality, we got the damn law in the books. And then when I talk to the mayor about it, he goes, well, they don't want to prosecute. And then I realize, you know why they don't want to prosecute? Garland! Garland! Pukey Garland! He's the attorney general. He's telling these other U.S. attorneys in the east and the southern district, oh, we can't do that. 
Why can't you do it? Is it? Oh, it's racist. That's right. That other guy, Budacek, said that uh, car accidents are racist. What the hell is he talking about? Building roads are racist because there's not enough black construction work. Stop this nonsense. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> well, you know, the delivery is hilarious. What he's talking about is actually really serious. And once again, Bo Deedle is showing why he has become... The sweetheart of New York City. Nobody cares more about this city and this country than my man Bo Deedle with another two amazing appearances this week. And I'm going to end it. I talked to a Congresswoman Malatakis. Yes, Nicole. And I told her, you know, I'd love to testify for the United States Sunday uh, uh, Congress, Congressional Subcommittee yeah. about this law. Now, just imagine, Sid. The violence, 21,000 shot across this country. Again, all we talk about is mass shootings, but there were 20,000 shot by the little guns, the little guns in every one of our progressive cities. Just imagine if we start to utilize this law and put these little scumbags in jail. Yeah. You'll see the murders will go down. And stop talking about mass shooting. Stop talking about the gun. The gun didn't kill people. The people who pulled the trigger killed people. And until we take them off the streets, this will continue. Sid and friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Chewing on a piece of grass, walking down the road. People say this town don't look good in the snow. You don't care, I know. Ventura Highway. I never told you that America is one of my favorite bands. Ventura Highway here. Been a great show already. Judge Napolitano, Bill O'Reilly, Bodito still to come. All time Ranger, great number 10. Ron Duguay, Rangers and Devils. Game two coming up in Newark later on tonight. My Rangers got the easy road win in game one, game two tonight. Ron Duguay will join us at 940. So last week, Jesse Waters, after seeing Brian Kilmeade's ratings go through the roof, every time he puts me on One Nation, Fox News, Saturday nights. that's true, by the way. Jesse uh, put me on and got great ratings. I'm going to be back every month with Jesse. But I was in the green room waiting. And I saw an old friend of mine named Cat Timp. Now, many years ago, there was a show on Fox News, and um, it was on at 5 o'clock every weekday afternoon. It had Eric Bowling, my old friend Ebony K. Williams, and Cat. What the hell was the name of that show with an E? I forgot already. But me and Bernie were on a bunch of times, including the very last episode ever. So I got to know Cat Timp a little bit. But I haven't seen Cat in many, many years. She was in the green room with me last week, and she told me about her new book. 
You can't joke about that. By the way, since then, I've seen this book everywhere. New York Post, Gutfeld's tweeting about it. Everybody loves this book. It was the Fox News Specialist. That's right, Specialist. That's right. So here's what it says. Uh, Kat says we've created all the wrong rules. We push ourselves into unnecessary conflicts when we should feel like we're all in this together, talking about stuff you shouldn't talk about. She knows or shows us we can find healing through humor regarding things you probably don't want to bring up in polite conversation like traumatic breakups, cancer, being broke, Dave Chappelle, rape jokes, aging, uh, all kinds of <laughs> religion, body image, dead mothers, you name it. And you know me, and I believe the reason why this show does so well triples the ratings of every other radio show in town. Triples, all of them, all the biggest names, I triple them, is because I subscribe to the same theory. So here she is, the author of You Can't Joke About That, Fox News star, Kat Timp. Kat, good morning. How are you, sweetheart? Good morning. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Good to have you on. Good to see you last week. And uh, since I've seen you, I saw a story about your book in the New York Post this weekend, which you did Instagram about. And everybody's Mm -hmm. talking about the book, so early returns are, your book is doing great. Yeah, it's it's doing amazing. I mean, it's it's number one on Amazon and Barnes & Noble right now. And you know, I'm I'm really, really happy about that. Obviously, you want your book to sell well. But also, I think that what I'm writing about is just so important because it's almost like we can't really talk to each other anymore. If there's maybe one thing you disagree with someone about, then you write that entire person off as a human being. Or they say one wrong thing, you write them off as a human being. And we're all complex creatures. And I think that speech, you know, There's a lot of the narrative of, you know, you can say whatever you want, no matter how offensive it is. And that's totally true. I completely subscribe to that. But also that ignores the way it can bring people together, right? Because if we can't express ourselves, then we never will really know how much we do have in common. You are a comedian by trade. Uh, And when I saw you in the green room last week, I said, so is Joy Behar. And uh, Joy Behar is a big star. She gets millions of viewers every day, makes a lot of money. To me, she's the angriest nastiest, least funny person I've ever seen. And it's not just because she's a Democrat and she hates Trump and I love Trump. I have a bunch of reasons for that. So really, you guys come from the same mold, yet I find her to be really nasty and you to be refreshing. Why is that? That is so interesting because um, I actually haven't talked about this yet, but I, I did write about The View, actually, and Joy Behar in my book in regards to Norm MacDonald's appearances on The View and how Seeing two appearances, you know, from one and, you know, when right after Bush won the election and then one, you know, right after he had this controversy surrounding talking about Louis C.K. and all that. And, you know, when you watch that one that kind of resurfaced after Norm died and he's talking about how we need to get the the murderers out of the White House and, oh, of course, like Bill Clinton murdered a guy. It's a matter of record. And she's laughing, (laughs) you know, she's laughing. She gets. She gets it, right? Because yeah. Norm is one of my all-time favorites. I love Norm he, too. Loves yeah. Yeah. he loves to bomb. Yeah. Like, he loves to bomb. By the way, it, 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 wasn't just yeah. one, it wasn't just one guy. It wasn't just Vincent Forster, maybe 100 people, but fine, go ahead. He, he, he <laughs> said, I thought it was a matter of record. He's laughing. Yeah. Could you imagine if, if, if he, he were to go on that show and do that now? They would be calling for, like, a federal investigation <laughs> into Norm McDonald. <laughs> so I think, I don't, I think it's, it's, it's a lot of people – have i mean joy it looks like used to get it right and i feel like things have changed so much and people are so afraid 
And I really want that to change for the sake of everybody. I mean, everyone's laughing as Norm's saying this and that. You can't even imagine that happening now. No, you can't. And look, I, I'm uh, actually very lucky because I work for a single proprietor. I work for a guy named John Katsimatidis, and John allows Sid to be Sid. So I get away with stuff here, Kat, that, quite frankly, you couldn't do at Fox News. Other people couldn't do at CBS or NBC. So I come off as a tough guy, but the truth is I've got the right owner. But there are so many people that want to say the things that I say that agree with me and the same with you, but they just can't because these companies, quite frankly, Kat Timp, are a bunch of pussies. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I think that I, I write an apology chapter, a chapter about apologies, too. And I think that if you're sorry, you, you should say so. But if you're not, don't, because it's totally we're creating a standard that none of us actually agree with, because when we apologize for things we're not really sorry for, I'm talking about, you know, not like apologizing to your wife. Do you have an easy night? I'm talking about like <laughs> companies and people, you know, who are famous celebrities apologizing when they don't really feel like they did anything wrong. Because now we're creating these rules that none of us actually believe in. And also, when someone really is sorry, nobody really wants to listen to the apology because we're so oversaturated with them. And um, in my book, I mean, the book is not – I, I didn't – I wrote everything I wanted to, and I had nobody tell me that I couldn't say this or that. So I am very grateful for that because there's absolutely nothing that I don't touch on in this book. The book is You Can't Joke About That, Kat Timp, who's on with me right now. And, again, I mentioned some of these things, I mean, rape jokes and all that type of thing. Some are, are, are really right now, like, oh, my God, oh, my God. But uh, is there anything you, you found out if you wrote it as great it is that you left out that maybe you didn't want to discuss? Oh, my God, I forgot about that one. It's so offensive, but I forgot about it. See, I, I didn't because I, I actually think that everything I write about applies to absolutely everything. And I think that the standard is backwards that, you know, if something is really tragic, you can't joke about it. I think the more tragic something is, the more important it is that you need to joke about yeah, it. Yeah, but I here's mean, the thing. But, but, write, but, yeah. but people will tell you, when is the time appropriate? Um, again, I am like you. You know, somebody dies and, and right away, when it, it could be four months down the road and somebody's going to go, Oh, my God, too soon. I hate those two words, oh. too soon. Right? You oh, hate yeah. those words, right? You hate that. Oh, absolutely. My mom, I, my mom. you know, she, I read about her dying in, in the book. And as she was dying, she was joking about it. So it's like I kind of learned from that as well. Um, I, I think, you know, I write about different things that have happened to me that have been horrible. I, had a, uh, I almost died in 2020 in a medical situation. I write all about it. But a lot of the jokes that are in my book, are jokes that I was telling people at the time. So I, I, there's also research that shows that you know, people who are terminally ill, they rank comedy over solemnity as being a better approach to talking to them. And some of them even rated it higher than pain relief. Hmm. So basically everybody says, you know, you can't, you, you know, time, you have to wait time, except for like people who are actually going through these things and the experts who study these people. You know, I wonder if we're going back closer to the other way. You know, there was a time, for example, Kat, when I started doing radio in 2000 in New York, I was on the I Miss show. And some of the stuff that me and Bernard and I Miss and those guys said, uh, you could never, ever, ever air today. Not in a million years. Mm -hmm. And it got really, really sanitary. But now, like I said, the show that I do here, I'm not afraid to say some crazy stuff. And now you've written a book like this, which is fearless. Do you feel like... Maybe, just maybe, people have had enough of this political correctness and maybe we're heading back 
in the other direction, maybe? You know, I'm, I don't know, but I sure hope so. Because, um, and not just for the sake of, you know, oh, I want to say whatever I want, but because we're never going to be able to understand each other if we can't express ourselves to each other. Um, there's no hope of that. And if I think any conversation that is well-intentioned should be encouraged. How much fun do you have doing the Greg Gutfeld show? I have a lot of fun, Yeah, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Nothing. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you have a lot of fun. Okay. And, you know, he pretty much lets it fly. I mean, it's it's a late-night show, so he pretty much lets it fly, yes? Yeah, he absolutely does, and, and he's been just unbelievably supportive of, of me and this book as well. Um, he, he he definitely does. I mean, I'm very, very grateful to, to work in an environment like that, for you sure. You know, what's funny about you is, you know, Fox, Fox News and... You know, I'm very, very tight with Brian. Brian Kilmeade, I've been on the show a bunch of times. He saw me do Jesse Waters last week. I still, Fox News is still my favorite, but uh, some of the real conservatives complain, oh, my God, uh, Harold Ford Jr. and Donna Brazil and Eric Swalwell. Mm-hmm. And, and even you, Kat, I mean, you're a libertarian. You're, you're, you're anything right. but. You're not a conservative. Uh, no. but, but you don't have any issues working over there, right? It's great. I absolutely don't, and that's, you know, some of the people can complain, right, because I'm, I'm not a conservative. I'm a libertarian. Conservatives want too much government for me, basically, is my one complaint. Right. Um, and But you know what? I also just – I have friends who are conservative. I have friends who are Republicans. I have friends who are liberals. I have friends – because you, you can talk to people and find out you have certain things in common. And, you know, if I only talk to people with the same political views as I do, like, I wouldn't – all those people are like living in the woods with an arsenal of weapons. Like they don't, yeah. they're not in funny. normal that's society. That's <laughs> like I wouldn't have anybody to talk to. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, and I think that it's you know, uh, there can be people who are you know, oh, it's, she's not conservative enough, blah blah blah. But then there's also people on the left who say, oh, she works at Fox. That's everything I need to know about her, and they won't speak to me at all. Right. Right. Of course. So. Now you're friends with everybody. I mean, you're uh, real housewives. In fact, as we speak. Three blocks away from the Plus Studios I'm talking to you from right now at the Palace Hotel, the Real Housewives of New Jersey are getting ready to tape the reunion special, which will air on the Bravo channel coming up in about a month. But on the way out, Cat Tim, for folks who are going to buy this book, you can't joke about that. You want them to get what from this great book? I want you to learn about how you can... Connect with others and heal within yourself by laughing at all the stuff you're not supposed to laugh at. All right. I love it. Kat, thank you so much. It was great seeing you last week. Best of luck with the you book. Too. Continued success. I hope I see you again very soon. Thank you. Thank you. Same to you. All right. Kat Tim, right here. Once again, the book is You Can't Joke About That. Go out and buy it today. We'll take a short break. When we get back, game two tonight, Newark, New Jersey. My team, the Rangers, fresh off a very impressive 5-1 to one road win over the Devils. Looking to go up two games to nothing. We'll talk to one of the all-time Ranger greats and a dear friend of mine, my brother, the great number 10, Ron Dugay. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I got about eight minutes here. Ron Duguay, one of the greatest Rangers of all time, my favorite Ranger, one of my favorite people, hopping on this morning before a big game two tonight in New Jersey. Rangers won game one easily. Kreider scored twice on the power play, and the Ranger power play kill was amazing. In fact, the Devils' first four power plays, not even a shot on goal. So here he is, all-time Ranger great, still very handsome, 
my man Ron Dugay. Ronnie, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid. Uh, I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, I am in the city right now last night. The, today is the morning after a big event that we do, the New York Rangers, Ranger alumni, and the Ronald McDonald House, oh, where wow. we uh, – it was a big deal for Roger Bear because he was a big part of it, and Brian Leach. It was something he started, and so now whenever we do the fundraiser, we're honoring and remembering Roger Bear. Wow. When you say Ranger greats, I appreciate that. When you give them, when you when you give me that compliment, but there were the greats last night: Brian Leach, Mike Richter, um, and Ron Gressner. And so we're all there last night enjoying ourselves. And it, I'm telling you, life is nicer if you're a hockey fan, Ranger fan, Ranger alumni, when the Rangers win, yeah. it's yeah. It, it's yeah. a game changer. And yeah. the way they won said it was like, wow, this is not the team that started the playoffs last year. Last year it took them a while to get going. But this year, right out of the gate, my goodness, they played a near-perfect game against a really good New Jersey Devil team. So things look good. Now game two is tonight. Everything's kind of going to change but the rangers will stick to the same game plan so i may to see how the devil um come back from a loss that was an embarrassing loss on home ice uh and so you know everything gets dissected by the coaches you're going from one game to another they 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 figure things out where they're going to have a different game plan. So I'm waiting to see what the Devils are going to come up with, come up with because I know how the Rangers are going to play. They say, hey, this works, and this is how we're going to play. Yeah, there's no question. Funny, you know, Leach and Richter played together. You and Grush, you guys played together. And Rod, of course, played before all of you. God rest his soul. So that's some little walk down Ranger history lane there. But getting back to Tuesday, I mean, look, uh, this was a Devil team that finished ahead of the Rangers. They came in second. This was a devil team that beat the Rangers. It means nothing now, but did beat them three out of four head-to-head during the regular season. But uh, we talked about this even before the game Tuesday. This is a young devil team. Use these guys are good young players. But this Ranger team is stacked. Almost every line has all-stars and Hall of Famers down to the kid line. you got a goalie who may be the best in the world. So I know the Devils had a great year. They're a young, fast, exciting hockey team and finished ahead of the Rangers. But... Let's be honest, Ron, with the experience and all-stars on just about every line, the better team is the underdog in this series. Um, yes, and I have to say, if I was to ask the Ranger players, going into this series, do you believe you can beat this team? Like, whenever I'd, I'd start a series, we'd go up against the team. Like, even though we were evenly matched by the numbers, we we would think, you know what, we can beat this team. We know we can beat this team. There's a certain feeling, and I've got to – I, I believe the Rangers going into this series is that they can beat the Devils. Now, there's there's different things that you look at on how you can beat a team. Of course, you got to be well prepared. And of course, you got to have the the balance of the youth, and you got to have some great goaltending and the veterans. But the Rangers, when you look at their balance, when a Kreider scores two goals, and when you got Shesterkin who at times not always consistent, but when he gives his A game and he shuts teams down, they have the recipe for being a team. I know it's only been one game, but they have the recipe right now uh, for a team that can possibly go all the way. I agree. I think and they can so, too. Yeah, it's nice to see the Bruins. Yeah. The Bruins lost last night. The Panthers scored four times in the third period. They did win game one without Bergeron, but I don't want to get ahead of myself and talk about the Bruins or the Stanley Cup like you're saying, but based on talent alone on paper, there is no team in either conference 
that has more talent than the Rangers. That is a fact. I mean, I got to tell you, Ronnie, bringing in guys like Tarasenko, who scored the first goal on Tuesday night, and Kane, who has been terrific, those were two major additions. Yes. Now, it's a name, uh, and they have a history, but you got to perform, right? Because both those players, you see Tarasenko and Kane, I didn't really care for their game when they first got here because, to me, they, they appeared out of shape. They weren't playing at a fast pace. It took them a couple games. Of course, you get comfortable with your teammates and the style of play. But at the beginning, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, this is not what I thought I was going to see. But now, like Tarasenko, he's a big, strong guy, and he's playing hard. They've won Stanley Cups, and that's a little that's a big difference. Knowing how to tap into something that's inside of you to be able to focus and play at a, at a high speed and be uh, make uh, just good decisions with the puck. And it's just there's a calmness in the dressing room, especially when you have younger players, when you have guys like that in the dressing room. There's a calmness that they bring uh, that helps the younger players. Now, when I say younger players, the kid line is no longer young, right? They've been around like three years now, and at times they're the best line on the team. So they have the balance, and they have the talent. They have the goaltending. They have the coaching. It's all in place. Now they just have to stay healthy and just keep repeating every game. Like you got to be consistent every single game. And a lot of it is about like the coach will talk about the risk factor, right? Let's not giving up. Let's not give up chances. It's about creating chances, which Rangers can do. And it's eliminating chances, which is playing well without the puck. And for the Rangers, they know the devils are quick. They're quick coming up the ice. We got to stop them before they get to the red line. And that's what they did last game. They eliminated those chances. So things look good for the Rangers. One more, you know, the uh, Tarasenko opened the scoring, and then not long after that, Kreider, his first of two power play goals, makes it 2 nothing. But uh, my favorite moment of the night may have been when the Rangers went up 3 nothing, and that's because the goal came from Ryan Lindgren. And I got to tell you, he's been hurt a lot, a lot this year, obviously, but he has become... It sounds nuts. I know in my 30-something years of being a diehard Ranger fan, going back to you, you're my first uh, Ranger love. Lindgren has become one of my favorite Rangers of all time. Is that nuts, Ronnie? Um, well, you you love how he plays, how he competes. He dies in front of the pucks. He's constantly getting hurt. He's always got a cut, and he <laughs> always has that look on his face, right? I like the look on his face. Like, you're not going to see him smile very much. He's got his game face on, right? Yeah. He's got the beard. And, uh, and of course, he's playing with Fox. You know, what a, what a comparison those two players are. Wow. But he just grinds away. And when he comes up and top shelves a goal like that off the bar, I'm yeah. like, wow. So he's got a little bit of it. Of, uh, he's got a, the offense. He's got the defense. But a defense comes first with him. And he's willing to sacrifice. And he just competes hard. So uh, he's your style of player, Sid. Yeah, I love him. I mean, look, Ron Greshner, you, you brought him up. He was a great offensive defenseman in the Denny Potvin mold. And so is Adam Fox, a guy that can score a ton of points. But Lingwin, take my teeth, take my body. You're not getting a shot off. So I would say this uh, the last uh, the last 60 seconds, Ronnie. You know, you, the Rangers, of course, have the experience. Henrik Lundqvist even said on television before the game, that does matter a lot. And it certainly mattered on Tuesday night. So if you're the Devils and you just got run in your own building, and I mean run, and the Rangers come out tonight and Patty Kane scores two minutes in, if you're the Devils, panic button? I will, I don't I wouldn't call it the panic button, but it gets into your head. What the Rangers did to the Devils 
it got in their head. And I said that. I was sitting with Gress watching the game. I said, Gress, I'm not sure how this is going to go because the Devils had a good season. They played them well. They beat the Rangers. I said, whoever scores the first goal tonight will win this game. And, uh, and the Devils had their opportunity on the power play. And I said, Gress, if they score here, I think this will lift them to a place where they feel good about their game. They're going to win this game. And it kind of puts the Rangers in the hole. But the Rangers, special teams, wow, they were near perfect. So it gets the bottom line, it gets into your head. So if the Rangers score the first goal tonight, trust me, it's, it's a feeling like, okay, you'll play hard. But there's a different, there's a confidence feeling that sometimes it's not quite there. And so the panic, no. It's just that your hands are different. Yeah. You think differently. Yep. It's something you can't quite put your finger on, but I have felt it. Yeah. You certainly felt it in those series against the Islanders. But <laughs> outside of that, yeah. Ronnie, uh, listen, I love you. I know you had a long night last night, uh, a very worthy cause, and you're always great. And hopefully you and I will talk a lot over the next couple of months and maybe hang out on the same float when it's sticker tape parade time in the Canyon of Heroes celebrating the first Ranger Cup in 29 years. That's my hope. Ron Duguay, I love you, buddy. Thank you so much. Okay. I'm always available. I know you are. The great number 10. 40 goal scorer, folks. It's my guy, Dugues. Ron Duguay. Let's go, Rangers. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. This is it, folks. This is how the story ends. Pat Russo sends me a story that the city council wants to get the garden out of there. It's making it more difficult to improve Penn Station. Anyway, Rangers are not back at the garden until Saturday. And the Knickerbockers are back at the garden tomorrow night in their series right now, 1-1, with the Cavaliers. Great show today. All the guests, Judge Napolitano, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle, Kat Timp, and Ron Duguay, Noam Tremendous as well. Justin Ellick doing triple duty. Macedonia Phil has moved on to different shows. Lou Rufino was out till Tuesday. He's sick. So an amazing job by you, Justin. We'll all be back, as my driver Gene would say, God willing, at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning for a Friday show. Going to be a gorgeous day in New York City. Enjoy your sun-drenched weekday. From all of us to all of you, until tomorrow, peace. Let's go, Rangers. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.